Tune in to the Neil Prenderville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. And they had a good time last night, by all accounts, from what I'm hearing back. More on Ed Sheeran's gig on Leaside last night, a little later on. Second one tonight. The beat is back as Ed Rocks Cork with a great Eddie O'Hare photograph. He's a super photographer, Eddie O'Hare, and has been for a long, long time. Great guy. Uh, big, I don't know whether it's a long lens or whether he got right up by the stage, but a cracking photograph of Ed Sheeran in full flight on the front of this morning's uh, Echo. Ah, yeah, Eddie's got a great old job going to the best of gigs. We couldn't have got it any better, apparently, weather-wise, gig wise, music wise, everybody loved it like the examiner this morning says, Sheeran fans in a spin at the in the round gig, I believe the stage turns is that the case? It goes round so everybody gets to see him front on at some stage, so loads of coverage and lots and lots of photographs, uh, not just uh, the Cork papers as such but Ed Sheeran took to the stage in a, a top that says Cork uh, and he said he'd rather be nowhere else in the world. Was he down? Did I read somewhere online that he was down with, with Ringman Rangers yesterday or something like that? I read something like that online. He was out and about. I think it was a big black, uh, it was a limo or a big black SUV with tinted out windows. But a great gig by all accounts and many, many, many photographs. Uh, the inside page of the Echo have photographs of lots of Ed Sheeran fans going to the gig. And there was a great buzz around. I'll be checking in with, uh, with Ballon Templeites a little later on this morning and see how the buzz was down in the village. You remember yesterday morning we kicked off the show with this truck being pulled by a tractor with three different trucks on top of it. It got all the way to the port of Ringeskiddy and then, of course, um, I guess, you know, the, the, the back of the truck and everything on it was loaded onto a ship and sent off wherever. But then, of course, the tractor and the trailer turned around and, uh, and headed off uh, back up inland. But the Gardaí now have launched an investigation after the tractor pulling the trailer stacked with smaller trucks. Some of them not small, actually, quite big fairly enormous. The top one is the smallest one, but the other two are very big trucks. So the guards are investigating, and I see that somebody said um, that uh, the guards actually ended up pulling the tractor and trailer. Um, the guardy on, on Facebook, as they have the different alerts, um, did post a photograph uh, of the load. I mean, it's, it's an incredible load, saying not a good idea. Thankfully, the Jack Lynch tunnel height detection system activated as this tractor and trailer uh, approached However, lanes had to be closed to alleviate the traffic buildup. The incident is currently under investigation, they said. And somebody sent me a screen grab um, from their car saying the culprits apprehended in Fromoy at lunchtime. Uh, so apparently they uh, at least were pulled by Gardaí and an investigation is underway. In other news, this morning, of course, we're back now to Celtic Tiger highs. Um, certainly with regards to mortgage borrowing, it's back to 2008 levels now, according to the Independent. And if that wasn't enough for you, uh, homes continue to go up. Uh, house building prices... Now, I know house prices have gone up and I know that labour... Well, not so much the labour aspect of it, but materials... But first-time buyers are paying prices close now uh, to Celtic Tiger highs. And of course, uh, if you were to work it out, they're estimating that it could be anything like 20,000 more for properties than last year. That figure is way off the mark, way off the mark, because on Leaside, different phases for housing developments have gone up by 40 or 50 grand in the difference between one phase and the next. They're suggesting 20. It's actually a lot higher than that. Uh, certainly the evidence here on Leaside. Very disturbing, actually, with regards to conversations we had earlier in the week, uh, particularly with regards to women and their careers. I was reading in the Sun this morning that they're saying that as an example of pressure that women are under in politics, women are leaving politics uh, over the rise in online abuse targeted at them. And that's a claim that's been made by the National Women's Council. It's a, an interesting story. 
in the Sun this morning. They call it the toll of sick online abuse. And I will come back in a few minutes time to a trial before the court courts because Barry Roach is covering it for the Irish Times and also for myself. And that is into the death of Santina Cawley. Uh, and we've had, uh, was it something like, I think maybe three days of evidence now, but the papers have a lot of coverage. Uh, we heard, we're starting to hear the evidence now of, uh, Michael Cawley himself from the witness box, the father of two year old Santina who died after suffering multiple injuries. I won't say any more about it than now, apart from the headlines in some of the papers. Karen is after smothering my child is what he said when he ran to his neighbours. That's the son's headline today. Uh, other stories include uh, the distraught father running into the neighbours screaming, Karen killed my child, my child is dead. Neighbours saying that, uh, you know, as Michael Colley gave evidence in the trial of his former partner, Karen Harrington, she's accused of killing the three-year-old. Um, other newspapers this morning talk of the devastation um, you know, that was uh, witnessed when Collie went into the apartment. But I will come back to it in a few minutes' time uh, with Barry Roach. I've spoken on the air many times with regards to um, uh, house fires and God knows we've heard many stories on this program of people who've been uh, the victims of devastating house fires even the other day now uh, a house down, out in Wilton completely and utterly gutted well there's a tumble dryer is uh, brought out as the reason for another devastating house fire and, and they you know was down to you know fire personnel on air some months ago and one of them was saying you shouldn't be plugging things in overnight and shouldn't be running dishwashers. You shouldn't be running um, uh, washing machines. But most importantly, you shouldn't be running tumble dryers overnight because they can be absolutely lethal. And there's a family from County Meath whose home was totally devastated and uh, destroyed by fire because they used the tumble dryer at night. And if they had, if one of them hadn't woken up and smelled smoke, it would be an entirely different story that we'd be reporting today. Uh, so that's the devastation of a tumble dryer that was uh, plugged in overnight. Um, you know, and I would talk about issues uh, in, involving uh, tourism in and out of the country and hassle that people have with passports and what have you. But it's worth noting with the bank holiday ahead, over 40,000 people are set to fly into Cork for the bank holiday weekend. So that's great for the local economy. Do you know in the past there were sculptures made and people were critical of them? One was Sonia Sullivan's one down in Cove. Another one that was people were really critical of was Ronaldo's uh, sculpture because it bore no resemblance to him. We have another story like that making the examiner today regarding a statue of Maureen O'Hara down in Glengariff. And I don't want this uh, to come across as any criticism of the sculptor, but apparently people are criticizing it because they say that it, at, it, it bears at best a poor resemblance to Maureen O'Hara. And, and, and you know what? If I didn't know there was Maureen O'Hara, I wouldn't have said that I'd have recognized it as Maureen O'Hara. Do you know what I mean? That's an interesting one. Sculpting is difficult, isn't it? It's not the easiest thing in the world. I see Boris Becker is back in court today. And on a, on a very serious note, he could actually be going to jail today, you know. Um, he uh, has been found guilty of very, very serious crimes uh, that could warrant um, uh, an actual prison sentence today. And of course, he's been followed around now for weeks and weeks. Everywhere Becker goes, he's got paparazzi and photographs taken, photographs of him. Uh, And some of them are almost even suggesting that the bag that he's toting around at the moment could well be the bag of stuff that he might even be bringing to jail with them. But um, the reason behind it, of course, is being sentenced uh, for his this scam that he was involved with that they say that was, you know, the, the scam had to do with this bankruptcy and, you know, assets that he had or were hiding and things like that. But I think one of the most humiliating stories that I've seen in a long time, and I've no idea how or why their relationship broke down, but it is the story of Olivia Wilde, uh, the actress and director. 
uh, and the end of her relationship and marriage, or at least her ex-fiance, um, Jason Sudokas. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, but she was standing on a Las Vegas stage, apparently, uh, and she was, um, you know... I might have been doing questions and answers with the audience. She was talking about a new movie that she's involved in. And all of a sudden, a woman walked on stage um, and handed her a brown envelope, one of the big A4 brown envelopes. And she was in full flight uh, talking to the audience. And she turned to the woman. She said, oh, what's this? Is this a movie script? Well, it wasn't a a movie script at all. uh, Because when she opened it, apparently, she found that it was, well, it was marked private and confidential. But it was custody documentation, legal papers that were filed on her standing on the stage. I mean, that's, well, it's at least it's, at the very least, it's humiliating. I'm not not even suggesting that I know that it was done intentionally to embarrass and humiliate her on a stage. I've never heard of anything like that before. Um, There's a lot of colliery stories making the papers today. Like, as you're getting that little bit older, don't worry if you're sleeping a little bit shorter. It it actually has no effect on you. You know they say you need to get eight hours. Well, apparently you don't. Seven will do you just fine. Everybody's got smart watches now. You can trace. I mean, I can trace the amount of sleep that I had last night. It can tell me the amount of deep sleep that I had. tells me the amount of regular sleep and light sleep and stuff like that. But apparently seven hours is just grand to keep your brain sharp. And the papers also talk today uh, of people with more money than sense. Apparently, do you know um, Judy Garland's dress in The Wizard of Oz? That would be the blue and white checked gingham dress from the 39 classic The Wizard of Oz. That's going on auction apparently. I don't know whether it's today or over the weekend. But they've got a reserve on it and they expect it to make at least one million euro, dollars, sterling, whatever having yourself uh, a million. Wasn't there, wasn't there an auction there a couple of years back with regards to the slippers that she wore in The Wizard of Oz? So that's a, that's a story that makes the papers with more money than sense. Well, Elon Musk apparently uh, very much in the news these days because is he, is he the richest man in the world? He's certainly right up there. He's a billionaire. He says now the next place that he wants to go and buy is Coca-Cola so that he can put the cocaine back into Coca-Cola. Please tell me the guy is joking. And if you have problems with your teenage kids, don't worry about it. It's all to do with their hardwiring, particularly for mothers, apparently. The mail says mothers whose teenagers ignore them repeatedly or repeatedly ignore requests like, say, for instance, to tidy their bedrooms. Don't take it personally if you're talking to a brick wall. It's the way they're hardwired. Teenagers ignore mums and pay much more attention to friends or strangers or anybody else. Anybody but the mum, apparently. And that's the story of making the mail today. Text 0868 Lines are open. Stop thinking out loud and call Neil Prendeville now on 0818 Cork's Ed FM. Yes, indeed. And let me just uh, alert you and warn you that some of the details of my conversation with uh, Barry Roach from the Irish Times could be found traumatic, traumatic and upsetting. But he is, of course, covering... Uh, the court case that is uh, happening uh, on Lee's side at the moment into the death of Santina Cawley and he joins me by phone. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Of course, the key players in this are indeed Karen Harrington, Michael Cawley himself and indeed poor misfortunate little Santina. And over the past few days, of course, um, um, the jury have had uh, the, the broad strokes of the next few weeks laid out for them. But then we got into CCTV footage and indeed, um, you know, names of different statements from witnesses. How far back do you wish to go? Because we, we might start on, on Monday, Neil, if that's okay with yes, you. Yes, please do. That was Sean Galan, the prosecution counsel, outlining what the jury would hear over the course of the next three to four weeks. The jury, when they were being sworn in by um, Mr. Justice Mike McGrath, were told 
that the case would run for at least three weeks, most likely four, with a slight chance that it might extend into a fifth week for a day or two. So we're four days into it now. They're not sitting today. But uh, it began, as I say, on um, on Monday. Karen Harrington, this 38-year-old woman from Lakeland's Crescent and Man, she's on trial and has denied the murder of Santina Cawley at Elderwood Park in Boring Manor Road on the 5th of July 2019 uh, when she was arraigned in front of the jury at the Central Criminal Court in Anglesey Street on, um, on Monday. And um, just by way of background, she, we heard, was in a relationship with Santina's father, Michael. They had begun their relationship in December 2018. He'd separated from Santina's mother earlier that year. And Sean Galan, um, very experienced senior counsel, just to sort of maybe paint a picture of him briefly. He's from Cork, uh, but very experienced. He's senior counsel in 2009, and he would have been involved in the first uh, David O'Loughlin murder trial here in Cork, where he was charged with the murder of Liam Manley, if you remember the oh, murder. Oh, yes, no, no, yeah, the shoot, yeah. And more recently, he's involved in the Lisa Smith, the woman who's charged with membership of ISIS. He's involved in that in Dublin, I and he last week, I think, in fact, he was also involved in the case of a teenager. He was prosecuting a teenager who was charged with the murder of a Mongolian woman done by the AFSC. Uh, I think there was a hung jury in that. It's going back to retrial. So he's prosecuting for the state. And then the defence counsel is Brendan Graham, again, very experienced. He's senior counsel for almost 20 years. And people might know of him or have heard of him. He was actually, he's defence in this case, but he was the prosecutor in the Boy A and Boy B and a Creagel murder case. Yeah. Uh, two, three years ago. So just uh, set the tone or paint the pictures of who they were. Sean Glenn, as I say, he outlined what the jury were likely to hear. And I suppose, cutting to the chase, he said that the state would show that um, Karen Harrington, Michael Cawley, they were at a friend's apartment in uh, Elderwood as well, on Boreman Road. They had a row, and the state would... Um, contend that Miss Harrington went home around one twenty-five a.m. to her apartment elsewhere in Elderwood. They would say that, or he said that the state will show CCTV footage then of a woman. They say, oh sorry, show CCTV footage of a man uh, going back to the apartment that they say is uh, Michael Cawley about three seventeen or thereabouts after three o'clock, and then a man again. They say Michael Cawley leaving the apartment. The issue was his cousin was supposed to come. and uh, he wanted him to say they had a row over that he left Michael Cawley left his phone at the friend's apartment so he went back to get that the friend's partner didn't want to allow him in because he'd been drinking and it was late so he went walking to Cork City Centre to try and find the cousin so we had this uh, I suppose that's what Sean Gillan said there would CCTV footage would be produced of that. And Loads of it all that. over the city centre, picked up I mean, everywhere. It, it, it's extraordinary. I mean, you know, when you when you sort of see uh, crime drama in, in the UK or, or um, American crime drama series, so much is dependent on technology, and this really is up there with it. Because just to give you an idea, it was a detective character Pat Russell compiled or harvested it, and then detective character Morris O'Connor showed it. But footage of. The man guardy says Michael Cawley leaving the apartment. Uh, he goes down uh, Blackrock Road. Blackrock Road. He goes down Road. Road. the apartment. The CCD footage from a private house in Crab Lane. Uh, the African Missions Blackrock Road. Another private house in Blackrock Road. The garage at the top of Marina uh, by the Marina there. Goldberg's Idle Hour. 
Custom House, Simon and Anderson's Key, Bus Office Parallel Place, Down at Lower Plunkett Street, or Old Plunkett Street, sorry, Winthrop Street, McDonald's, and Winthrop Street, Partick Street, Up Park Street, Burger King, uh, McDonald's Don Square, Centric and Parade, Down Washington Street, Back South Main Street, Down Castle Street, Back to Don Square, uh, then Down Partick Street again, and Pennies back onto Oliver Plunkett Street, uh, down to Custom House Key or Custom House Street, Albert Road, Rockborough Avenue, Borry Manor Road, Maxwell and Borry Manor Road, back down to the So they traced, it was extraordinary. I mean, like yeah. really, really serious detective work going into it and saying this is it. And that shows him effectively being away from the apartment for the bones of. Uh, just under two hours, I think he left at 3.17, Dave say, Gardy say, and came back at about 5.07. Yeah. So that's up the jury were shown on the second day, and then on the third day, which was Wednesday, we actually started hearing um, civilian witnesses, I suppose, in that Michael Cawley, uh, Santina's father, went into the box, and uh, he gave his evidence. He told... I suppose I'll pick it up from the, the, the most dramatic part first when he came back to the apartment at about 5.07 on the morning of the 5th of July to discover uh, Karen Harrington's apartment. It's a duplex. There's an upstairs door and a lower door. And he came in there. He had a key. And he found the place in disarray. And Santina was lying naked and unresponsive on a sofa. He'd left her clothed. He said, um, I could see the blanket for Santina. He said... I could see the kitchen chair and chairs on the floor. I could see blood on the floor near the sink. I could see broken glass on the ground. I could see Karen on the couch lying down. I could see the blanket where Santina was. The blanket was over. She was under the blanket in the same spot. I said to Karen, what's going on? I pulled the blanket off her. Santina was naked, no clothes on her. She was wearing clothes when I left. He said she didn't look right in the face. One of her eyes was half closed, like a blink. The other eye opened. There was a bruise on the left side of her forehead. He said he checked for her pulse. She was warm. He tried to speak to her, but I was down my knees, Santina, Santina, please, please say something, please. But she wasn't responding. Um, and then he went out uh, to a neighbour and uh, the guards, rang the guards and the guards and paramedics arrived. And as we heard later, she was taken to CUH where doctors worked on her. But um, tragically around nine o'clock or uh, sometime shortly after nine, she was pronounced dead. So that was his evidence the first day. Uh, in direct evidence to um, Sean Gillan, and then he was cross-examined by um, Mr. Graham. Cross-examined by Brendan Graham uh, Wednesday afternoon, and again yesterday. And um, in the cross-examination, um, Brendan Graham put it to him that the trouble started. That they had been at this party at Karen Harrington's friend's apartment, Martina Higgins. Mm. He accepted they had a row. He said he didn't. Mr. Coley said, Colleen, she said he didn't know what Karen left early, but he later accepted she got home angry after the row when he called her a whore and a prostitute and accused her of fraternizing with other men. Mr. Grant said to him, the trouble started the party when you got a call to say your cousin was coming from Limerick and you wanted to bring him to Karen's apartment in Elderwood, in Elderwood to stay the night. Mr. Colley denied this and said Miss Harrington would have been aware for much earlier in the day that the cousin was coming from Limerick and needed somewhere to stay, but she didn't have a problem with that. Brendan Grand, you said she meets blacks and tackies in the casino and says hiya hiya to them. You told her to go back to her foreigners and you called her a whore and a prostitute. He said he had no recollection of saying that to her, but he agreed with Grand that uh, Karen Harrington did not want to be with him when she left the party at around 1.25 a.m. Um, Mr. Grand also put it to him that he was expressing frustration to Miss Higgins, uh, Karen's friend, about having to care for Santina. And he asked Miss 
Higgins to ring her mother to see if she would foster Santina as he knew that Mrs. Higgins' mother did foster children. But he said, in response to that, when Brendan Graham put it to him, he said, it was a privilege to look after Santina and I always wanted her in my life. Um, and he denied ringing Miss Hig- asking Miss Higgins to ring her mother and that he was getting frustrated because Santina was, quote, whinging and crying. No, I did not want Miss Higgins' mother to foster Santina. He also denied saying that he wanted to give Santina back to her mother, his ex-wife, Bridget O'Donoghue, when they separated, after they separated in 2018. So we had further um, cross-examination of um, Michael Cawley yesterday, and then we also heard from Martina Higgins, the woman whose apartment the row happened, and she told um, how at one point, when Karen Harrington was leaving at 1.25am, she said Michael Cawley asked Karen to take Santina with her, but she said, no, she's your child, and she went off without. But he said then as well, he was cross-examined, sorry, to go back to that, um, he agreed that Karen had always gone on with Santina. Yeah, he said I could never say anything bad about Karen, he said. Yeah, he said yeah. I left my daughter with somebody I thought I could trust. I'd, I'd left Karen with her a few times and there was never a problem. He said I could never say anything bad about Karen. She got on good with Santina and Santina would have gotten on with her. I thought it would be okay to leave Santina with Karen. I trusted Karen. So, but Santina uh, was, as, was asleep during this party in the other she band. She was asleep for much of it, yeah. Well, she was, seems to have been crying early on, but I mean, this went on until Santina was in Martina Higgins's apartment with her father until uh, sometime after three, shortly yeah, after three, yeah. but she seems to have been asleep at that later stage of it, all right, definitely. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was the point, sorry. Karen left alone, Martina Higgins said, said, Karen left alone, and as she was at the gate leaving, Mike said, take Santina with you. And she said, no, she's your child. So um, we also heard then that uh, when eventually Michael Cawley left at about three o'clock, Martina Higgins' apartment, went back with Santina to Karen Herring's apartment. Yeah. left Santina there. Martina he got his phone. She he'd forgotten his phone. He came back. Um, he couldn't gain access to Martina Higgins' apartment. He went into city centre. But he, the next time she encountered him then, Martina Higgins, was she went to sleep. It was about five o'clock when he was banging on the door and he woke her up and he said that uh, Karen... He's after he's smuggling my child. The it was Mike, he was screaming and roaring, Santina, Santina, my child, my child is dead. Karen has killed my child. And we heard, or something along those lines, she said, and she said he sounded frightened. We heard virtually identical evidence from her partner then, a man called Eric Okanula, who said he came back saying Karen had smothered Santina. And he was giving evidence yesterday morning as well. He also um, said that at one stage in the evening, uh, Michael Colley became very aggressive after he'd taken a drink. Eric Okinola wanted Michael Colley to go home. So he took his girlfriend Martina Higgins' drink off her and uh, Michael Colley's drink off him. Yeah. Michael Colley, and he threw the drink. No, he said he may have slashed some of the drink on Martina Higgins. Michael Colley said he took offence at this. He found it disrespectful to Martina, so he stripped off his top and was going to fight him. Eric Okinola didn't want to fight because there were children present and he said I'm going to call the guards at that point Michael Cawley left he then came back later again uh, to look for the phone he said he called the guards again and he left and the third time he came back banging on the door saying Karen has smothered um, Santina he said he didn't care he, he didn't he was he, he, I would never uh, he, he didn't believe him as it were he didn't care and he said he was going to call the guards so when Michael Cawley came back this 
third time he actually came back with the guards because the alarm had been raised at that stage. Um, but, the, but the guards had been called earlier. You remember that? The, Mr. Olney said that he called the guards. Yeah, one of the other witnesses we're going to hear from, but we heard it, and he hasn't given evidence yet. Gotcha. Heard it. Okay. The outline by Sean Gillan was that the immediate next door neighbour of Karen Harrington, a man called Dylan Olney, Sean Gillan said he would be giving evidence to the effect that uh, he uh, heard. Uh, let me just find my notes here. Mr. Connolly became concerned because he could hear a child screaming and he could hear the accused shout at the child, taunting the child, mocking the child, and terrorising the child. So he rang the guards at 4.31 a.m. So the guards arrived at 4.50. They went to Miss Harrington's apartment, but they got no response. They could see in the window, could see nothing suspicious. And they left shortly after 5 a.m. About five to eight minutes later, Michael Connolly arrives back home, goes into the apartment and discovers... Santina uh, unresponsive and the thing. So we're going to be hearing from not only another neighbour the paramedics um, actually the first people on the scene were, were the ASU um, and Sergeant Brian Tien and the armed support unit would have paramedic training and I think he, we will hear evidence from him that Santina was still warm but like his touch safe for a faint pulse and he tried to say CPR but there was bruising on the child's body blood in her face clumps of hair missing earring had been found on the floor I, I, it's, it's, it's a distressing case as yes, it is yes, yeah. but is I, suspect the, I suspect it's going to get more distressing when, we is hear Michael Co- when you hear what evidence sorry when we hear more of that detail evidence yeah. of the injury she suffered and will, will, is Michael Cawley's evidence finished now he's finished now yeah he's okay. finished so we've gone through well actually sorry, there was a fourth witness yesterday a man called Brian Luttrell who was living in a gun for apartment there and he couldn't sleep. It was warm, it was July, the windows open and we heard an audio recording of him that he made of somebody uh, shouting right. and roaring and uh, a woman's voice and it would be the same case that that was Karen Harrington. Karen Harrington. Well, and will, will, will Karen Harrington be uh, cross-examined and will she give evidence? We don't know. I mean, it's all right not to, yeah. uh, you know, that, that, that's nothing can be inferred from her right. I know that, yes. Yeah. So there's no indication so we, we at this point. We don't know. Point, there's yeah. no indication at this stage. We've, I mean, I was going to say it's, 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 there were four days of evidence today. We've got a, to date, we've got a long way into it. I suppose we've got a substantial way into it, but there's a long way to go on this yet. And uh, as I say, the judge said uh, three to four weeks, so okay. it, could, it could take that much um, it's it's a, a distressing case for everybody. Um, Michael Cawley was there with his um, his father and his new partner, uh, Bridget. I don't know who Santina's mother is there with her mother. And I gather some of Karen Harrington's sisters are there as well. So for all of them, it's uh, going to be a, a long three weeks okay. or four weeks. Okay. okay. That brings us up to speed on the first week of the trial. I do appreciate it, Barry. Nothing today. Back, on, back in court on Monday then. Back on Monday. And uh, I would presume we're looking next in sequence at probably paramedics and that sort of stuff. Okay. Um, okay. But um, no, it's, it's a, I suppose just from, you know, when you see the CCTV footage, you just see how much investigations have changed and how much technology has come to play a part in these because, it, uh, sorry, as well, what was interesting was they actually already showed footage of, what, of who they say was Karen Harrington when she left the apartment after Michael um, Colley came back and she left they say at about 5.11am and again they have footage of the woman they say is Karen Harrington going down Crab Lane because he had asked her what went on she didn't respond she just left left, yeah yeah, yeah. so they have footage of who they say is Karen Harrington they've shown footage out Elderwood onto Crab Lane private house in Crab Lane footage private house in Blackrock Road 
the venue, longboats, Menlo's stores, Charlie Murphy's garage, Cross Church Road, Black Rock GA Club, and then uh, they didn't follow on after that. But again, like it's extraordinary. The level yeah. of, I mean, people have been picked up every two or three hundred yards on CCTV footage. It's uh, amazing. It is really amazing. Is, yeah. uh, you know, just from a seeing how investigations change I mean 20 years ago they wouldn't have had that sort of thing No we see that actually whether it's CCTV or the use of phone technology I know there's hot water with regards to you know GDPR and things like that but tech has changed investigations dramatically Oh hugely I mean it's it's, you know you sort of see the crime dramas in the UK and they're so in states and so much with CCTV and phones but we're on that I mean obviously there was one investigation where phone technology was crucial as well and the whole issue but that is just uh, GDPR but it it really is changing police work it seems and certainly here I mean they went through hundreds of hours of um, gathered hundreds of hours of CCTV footage to track them going back to the apartment then Michael Colley leaving the apartment Michael Colley coming back to the apartment Karen Harrington leaving the apartment and uh, actually I should say that to be fair uh, they showed footage from Aldi in Blackrock at about 8 o'clock on the, f- the 4th of July the day before mm. all this happened of Michael Colley going into Aldi with Santina yeah. and the poor man broke down at that point you know and uh, given like he was seeing it I don't know whether he'd seen it before but yeah. seeing himself with his daughter less than 12 hours before she yeah. she, 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 she died so um, and there was some other footage as well that he found very distressing um which you could understand. Yeah, undoubtedly you could understand it. Barry, thank you so much for bringing us up to speed on the first week of the trial. Thank you. Appreciate it as always. Barry Rhodes, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times. Uh, you can text 0868104106. Our phone lines are open on 0818104106. Back after the break. Ed Sheeran's idea of the perfect morning. Are you ready? The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Ed FM. And you can text 0868104106. Right, I want to chat with Jacob. It's always important to update on stories that we've been covering, and uh, this one goes back to February. Jacob, good morning. Jacob, I should say. Jacob, morning. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah good morning. Good morning. Um, when I spoke to you in February, you sound, you sound exhausted and worn out. You were living and sleeping in your van. Are you still in the van? I am indeed. Yeah, nothing changed. You know. Every but night, not, like, not, you not can't toss down in a pal's house. Are you literally in the van? Yes, yes, I am. Uh, you know, temperatures are going up, so it's not that bad. I'm just afraid of the winter, you know. Good God almighty. Now, just to update people and just the backstory to this, um, you came back to Ireland. You have your own home and you're paying a mortgage on it and what have you, but you were overseas and you had tenants in the house. Were there, were there, is- you just, what, were there issues with rent or anything like that? I just, just remind me, or was it that you just wanted to go move back into the home or what? Exactly. They stopped paying after the first month yeah. and they, they just, you know, said that we won't pay anything at all and we, we take in the house. You know, we're going to stay as long as we want because we know that it will be impossible for you to evict us. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's a long road. I'm in the process with uh, RTB, but they're not very helpful. They're delaying me. They're not telling me the truth. You know, it's like they're, they're just postponing it on purpose for some reason that okay. I, I could yeah. not understand. This isn't a guard and issue, it's a civil issue, isn't it? It is. It okay. is unfortunate. Okay, you know? so yeah. that was the that was the backstory. They paid the first month rent and then stopped paying, full stop. You you came back to Ireland then. Of course you're paying the mortgage on this constantly, aren't you? 
I am. I am okay. indeed. Okay. Uh, and you call and you call round to them. Yes. You call round to them and everything and try to reason with them, didn't you? Well, I, I called into the house, but it ended up in a fight, you know. So I, I'm not going there anymore because it could be bloody. These are not normal people. Okay. It's happened that what I've been told that they are the. Right, well, we won't go into any. You know, we won't go into any deta- details with regards to them because I don't want to leave you wide open or vulnerable from anything. Uh, that might come back on you legally. But the point is, they're not paying the rent. They won't move out. You've gone to uh, the RTB to try and get them to sort it. You uh, actually took some legal advice on the matter too, didn't you? Yes, yes. A, a lot of legal advice from many different people and angles and, you know, but it seems that it's just like a wall there because, you know, there were even two TDs that were trying to help me and it's, it seems that it's not going anywhere. Okay. And uh, any idea just, what the state just, of the property is like? Well, <clears throat> last week, my next door neighbor texted me that if I get the house back, you know, it, it won't be any good for sale or anything like that because of the noises that they hear because they're, they're you know, destroying the house. So I'm, I'm not the, home, the most hopeful, you know, on that point there. Okay, yeah. so your neighbor is saying be warned for a shock when you do get back in, is it? Yes. Okay. Yes. There was one stage when you glued the lock, didn't you? That, that was it, yeah. But did I they come back or something, didn't they? Yeah, they broke the frame of the, the, the back door and they went in and they went after me and I had to protect myself. And you had to you get know. out of there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and even at that stage, the guards said that they couldn't do anything. It's it's a civil matter. Why didn't you go to court? Why didn't you get a solicitor to f- just start legal proceedings? Well, you can only get that after you get a determination order from RTB. Oh, uh, really? So it's up to yes. Well, that's what I've been told. So you must maybe be very- I'm wrong here. Maybe I, I do need to investigate more. Okay, the, you need to wait for the RTB. To have a hearing, assuming that everybody turns up for the hearing, you don't even know if they go to the hearing, well, so you don't. The hearing was already there. They didn't turn up, but now the adjudicator was supposed to release a report, uh, which was there sent by, by by the person I was talking to the okay. next day, apparently. Yeah. So but you didn't now, get you didn't now. get you didn't get a decision at the hearing, no. No, no, okay. and it won't be anytime soon because first they release the report after the hearing there. It, it goes before some jury, and then, you know, I was told it could get uh, over a year, you know. Why would it take a year to give a decision? Uh, it's a very good question. Uh, I don't understand that either, and it, it seems that it's, like, you know, on purpose to to just, you know, to um, help no, the well, I don't know. people. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be on purpose, because they, they have no axe to grind with either party. They just listen to the evidence. If somebody doesn't turn up... That goes against yeah. them big time if they don't even go to the hearing. But you would think yeah. it would be faster than that. So, so you literally live, eat and sleep in the van. Where? Like, do you move around or is it parked up somewhere? Yeah, I move around Cork City. I try not to, you know, get, get caught by, uh, by your men uh, putting tickets. So I, I like, uh, you know, I'm on and off all around. And, you know, I need to go to the center to, to get a shower at the gym. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not easy because you know, at okay. night someone's checking your your door handles. Like you know, if, if it's open, you know, you wake up. It's, 
It's, uh, it's somebody che- so when you're asleep, somebody's checking the door handle to see if they can rob your car. Is yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It's it's a uh, it's an ongoing process. It happens like once a fortnight, depending where I'm parked. Is that is that is that prone to happen if you park in the city? That yeah, that's 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 uh, that happened many times in the city. You know, especially. You know, when, when you see, when, you, when the weather is, is nice and you see all the, you know, homeless people around, they, they do that. And I've seen them doing it, like, you know, the, like, you know, a row of cars. They just theft every, every, each of them. Do they ever see you inside in it or give you grief? Well, I, I jumped out once, like, you know, so, and, well, it, it ended up just, just on a, you know, verbal abuse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do you do for food? Well, uh, yeah, I buy food. You know, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a fancy eater. I, I don't eat. You know, crazy stuff. So I just like boil eggs, like you know, in my van. I have a gas, yeah, a little gas cooker there. So you don't live on eggs, though. I mean, you, yeah, you probably eat fast food or takeaway, do you? Uh, rarely, I try to avoid it. It's you know, it's uh, not making me feel the best. Yeah, so. I know, I know. And 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 tell me, are you, do you are you working? Like, how, are you, did you have to talk to the bank about putting a pause on the mortgage or or what? Yeah, yeah. There is a pause on the mortgage for next three months, so it's not that bad, you know. Uh, I'm out of work, but I'm I'm searching for something that's you know that will be worth. It and, and we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it would be hard to motivate yourself to go to work every morning when you're sleeping in a van at night. I mean, you must be covered with aches and pains, are you? It's not that bad. You know? I'm tiny bit getting used to, you know. People were living in worse condi- conditions uh, hundreds of years ago. So, you know, it's, I'm still fortunate that you know, I'm, I'm going to get this house back at the stage. But how are you surviving? For, how are you doing for money? Um, well, I'm on the welfare, so it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. It's shocking, isn't it? It's absolutely shocking. And have you no pals or anything that you could just doss on a couch or something, no? Yeah, I have a friend that sometimes let me in, you know, to to stay on on the couch. But, you know, I don't don't want to abuse them anyway, like, you know, because how long you can have a, a guest on your sofa, you know, for. So... Yeah, if I had a if I had a pal in your circumstances though, and I had a sofa, I'd let you stay there, you know. Okay, I'm I'm coming down you. <laughs> you what? You know, I'm coming down to you, Neil. <laughs> Just send you to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jacob, Jacob, it's an awful situation you find yourself in. What will what will today be like? What will you do? A typical day. Well, when the weather is nice, like you know, I. I I might do some outdoor workout, you know, because there, there are opportunities around uh, around court to do, like, you know, the pull-up bar and so on. I, I might go to a, to a market to see if there's any discounted food station there to get, to get something, like, you know, uh, within my budget. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll read a lot. I'll read a lot. I'll, I'll meditate. I'll try to take my mind away and I'll search for work, you know. So that's. So you're looking for work. Day. You're interested in like what yeah. kind of work, Jakob? Yeah. Well, I was thinking I could do, you know, a, a van driver thing. Like I, 
I don't want to do some something that that wouldn't bring uh, like you know uh, little money just just over the the social welfare because I I got a job but it it ended up that it's only a couple of quid more than than my you know dose so I I said like it's not worth it because it you know the, the the travel the and the stress was was just was not making up to it. it, it ended up not if you're sleeping in a van and boiling eggs, and yeah, I know what you're saying. It's hard to motivate yourself in that regard. But are you are you skilled in tr- or trained in anything? Um, well, I'm a good driver, so I'm, I'm now looking for a work as a as a van driver. Okay, so okay. Well, you never know who might be listening here and might reach out and help you. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I appreciate any form of of support and and let's see what happens um what can I can I just can I read that is that okay I just I just got a call here from Connor O'Toole who's the general manager from the Clayton Hotel he says he can get you a job no problem would you be interested in chatting with them to see what they might have available sure sure send them in oh no I'm going to send you in All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, so listen, when we hang up this phone, I'm going to give you a number to call. You can go and see them at the Clayton Hotel and see if something can work out for you in that regard, you know? Perfect. I really uh, appreciate it. And and come back to me and let me know. I won't be here for the next couple of weeks. Mick Mulcahy will be here, but please come back and let the lads know how things work out, will you? Yeah, yeah, I'll do. All right, yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, my friend. I hope that this makes some small difference and you get a result from the RTB fast. When you get a result from the RTP, then you serve eviction papers, of course. That moves it on to a different level. They don't necessarily have to accept the eviction papers. They still don't have to move out. You might have to go legal at that stage, right? Well, once, yeah, the the first thing is the determination order, yeah. And then if, if they don't listen to that, then we go to court for eviction order. And once you have that, you have to go because the, the police will come. That's it. Yeah, okay. All right, pal. Okay, all right. Listen, stay in touch. Make that call to the Clayton, all right? Stay on hold. We'll give you the number, okay? They're expecting your call. Cheers. Thank you so much. All right, Jakob. Mind yourself. Take care. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show. Text plus WhatsApp equals 86 Corks, Ed FM. Hey, this is Ed Sheeran, and you're listening to Ed FM. Free Food Friday today, your opportunity to scoop food for up to 15 of you with starters, main courses, and you build your own cheesecake dessert. So text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106. Curtis, you of ourselves, and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas, and Blackpool. I'll give you full details after 10 as to what you can expect to be eating. And if there's not 15 of you, you can share it with businesses or friends or have everybody around for a lunchtime party. So Free Food Friday today, text 0868104106, who you are and where you are. And we'll start those shout-outs at around about 20 minutes uh, past uh, 10. And thank you to Conor O'Toole at the Clayton Hotel. It could make a big difference in Jacob's life if he can get out of that van and maybe get working uh, and it would occupy his mind. I mean, I think it might, you know, psychologically, it might, might improve his... Uh, his well-being in that regard. Uh, with regards to the tunnel yesterday and the carry-on with the tractor and the trailer, interesting texts on these. All these scrapyard vans and lorries are being exported to Africa. There's huge money being made out of these on the African continent. I didn't know that. I knew they were being exported, but I didn't know where. I wonder, did the truck that blocked the tunnel get through the toll booth on the Dublin Cork Road? How did it get through the Watergrass Hill toll, for instance? Uh, I thought there were height restrictions there too, says Tony. 
Don't know. I think if you go left of the tollway over to the left barriers, there's no overhead barrier. Isn't that the case? What if he braked hard? Wouldn't the trucks come off? Absolute madness. Yes. And also going around bends, it literally could tip over. As a professional HGV license holder with all the CPCs, I can tell you that the load that was being pulled by that tractor was incorrectly strapped and is a danger to life. In a sudden brake scenario, this load could be lost and could fall over on other road users, causing a horrific accident. A few straps will not hold this overweight load. There was nothing right about that load, absolutely nothing. It was in in every single way totally and utterly indefensible. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106 and we'll pick it up after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. What's up? This is Ed Sheeran. The Neil Prendival Show on Ed FM. Is everyone here to have a good time? The number one talk show in Cork. Okay, you can text 0868104106. That's an important number as well for Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool. What will you get? Well, you get all the starters, the chicken wings, the chicken skewers, the beef skewers. Then all the mains include chicken wraps, pita wraps, beef burgers, the Piri Piri sauce going with it, the Piri salted fries, rice, the new side of waffle fries and you get piri mayo and all sorts of beautiful sides and things like that and then build your own cheesecake for dessert. So this will feed 15 of you courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri Douglas and Blackpool. Text who you are and where you are. And the first shout outs this morning from Mulcahy Steel would love the food. They're up the walls in the workshop and we'll go down a treat. Hi to everybody at the Friars Road Post Office in Turnus Cross working hard. The Millennial Millennium Wig Clinic in Blackpool. Um, to everybody at BCE Consulting engineers down the marina. Morning to, to Dali and to Kiron, to Blue Coast Skip Hire, who are listening this morning down Coveway, to Euro Car Parts, EBO Home Rescue in the marina as well, the Puffin Ward at the CUH Book Station in Douglas, the Beer Garden Shop on Evergreen Road in Turnus Cross. Morning to all of you. Loftus Demolition and Recycling in Dublin Hill are listening. Impact to Ireland Metals in Glanmire, Roadstone Dispatch and Balancholic, St. Killian School. Big shout out to all the staff. They will share it with everyone if they win today. Republic of Work on the South Mile, Powerboat Cork, listening in Monkstown, Dermody Dental Practice in Turners Cross are listening. And a quick one here, my nephew's 18th birthday today. He also passed his driving test recently. We'd love a big lunch together to celebrate, says Aideen in Lehenamore. To everybody at O'Sullivan O'Leary Developments on Coppinger's Field in White's Cross. Uh, to everybody at Murnan and O'Shea, working very hard on the old Mallow Road. So keep those shout outs coming. Text who you are and where you are to 0868 104106. We'll do some more shout outs in about a half an hour's time. Back to the phone lines we go. John, good morning. Good morning, Niall. Now, would you believe you live on Alfred Street, right? I don't live on Alfred Street. Okay, but. I live close to it. I'm sorry, it says on the screen that you live on Alfred Street. How close? Uh, uh, my house would be about uh, 30 yards from Railway Street, right alongside the Hertz. Oh, yes. I know that area so well. I know you do, it, yeah. your grandmother. That's grandmother. right. Do you know that my grand that was my grandmother's house on King's Terrace, and my father and I all do. of his brothers. I, and I, I used to I used to do a few errands for your, your grandmother. I'd go up to the shop and get her maybe one or two things. My father done a few jobs for her on the house when she had the bed and breakfast. Ah, uh, for God's sake, John, that's incredible. That's incredible. Like my father and everybody around the King's Terrace, the Lower Road, St Patrick's Terrace, they all played soccer on Alfred Street as kids back in the late thirties and forties. That's right, and I was one of those people. Ah, get away. Isn't, that a, isn't it a small world all the same? 
It is, yes. Unbelievable. And and, and that, that's been your parish all your life, has it? I'm here. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'll be on, on, on the road now. I'm, I'm heading into my 76th year. Fair play to you, boy. Fair play. And listen, that's lovely to chat in that aspect of our conversation. But Simon now have been granted conditional planning um, for exactly. that to put up 78 apartments in that area. You're not very happy with that, are you? I'm not. I'm totally against this. And I should say from the answers here, Niall, that this is my opinion. Right? But I would like to put it to the people of Cork that uh, for me, this is a, a decision that was made by the few for the few. Because I think people know when this is completed, it is going ahead. And when it is completed, they will slap themselves on the back and they'll say, look what we're doing for the homeless in Cork. But for me, personally, as an old age pensioner, right, I have terrible concerns because the unsociable behavior on this part of the road where I am, I've never seen it anything like it in my whole life. It's so bad between people on drug abuse, people on people being drunk, roaring and shouting. Uh, you have people, and I see it on a regular basis, being harassed when they're coming up from the railway. And as you know, people coming into Cork, it's one of the main routes coming in from the railway, coming into Cork. Yeah, and I know that area because you are, as you say, on Railway Street and then you have Alfred Street and all of the Horgan's Key area and, yes. and down along the actual key walls itself and that plaza area. It's a problem, is it? It is a huge problem. Even in Penrose, even even in Penrose Dock the other night when I when, when I was off, my, I just go for a stroll. I don't walk. I stroll because uh, because I have uh, I don't I don't have great mobility at right, the moment. Right, right, right. Right. So I just stroll. But in in around Penrose Dock, I could see maybe three or four people, and they were loading up to to do whatever they want to do with whatever they're doing. I see it on a constant basis where people are just staggering all over the place and you know they're on, on, on some sort of abuse or something like that. I have never seen it in my whole life, Niall. Never yeah. as bad as what it is now. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel safe as you go out for your ramble? No, I don't, know. I don't even, I, Niall, I don't even feel safe inside in town. I went in, I went in town, I think, uh, I, I think last Friday and within the space of two hours that I was inside in town, I saw guys doing a deal in the mall I saw guys doing a deal by the Mangan's clock mm. and I saw guys doing a deal by Brian Brew Bridge mm. Mm. in the space of two hours. I know, I know. It's not the Cork City that you remember from years we ago. We have a sick city, Nile. A very sick city. Yeah, but like, but, you know these apartments, 78 apartments, two bed, one bed and studio apartments. These are for people who are homeless and are desperate to find somewhere to live, you know? I know that, Nile. But the problem is... Do people of Cork know what the starting point of this is? They've told, we had an impromptu meeting with two executives from Simon on the corner of Alfred Street and, and, and Railway Street. Yeah. They met about, I, I think there was about 15 of us that went into voice or opinions. Now, we did put in an objection. I put in a very serious, I was totally against it because I feel that they're doing the government's job for them. They're going into the housing business. Now, now they're going into the multi, multi-million euro housing business. This is going to cost, they told us at, at this meeting, that this building, just to build it, is going to cost 24 million. But sure euros. I know, but 24 million for Simon Community is to provide housing for their service users, you see. Now, that's, Niall, that's what they're tasked with, you l- see. Listening to your program for the last couple of weeks, and you're talking about all the, the, the units around Cork that, are, that, that could be retrofitted, that could be done, the houses that are there that are vacant. Would it be not more 
Simon's in their cause, if you like, to sort of go after these houses and put people in. This, this, this is direct provision by any other name. Yeah. They're going to put people into a tower. Yeah, but what what are the buildings used for? They're they're kind of unused warehouses, aren't they? They are unused warehouses. Yeah, yeah. That, look, there's a part of that that there's there's the turbine house on that that's got that's going to be sort of that that's going to be protected. Now, the developers of this are going to hire archaeologists, historians, environmentalists. When this building is going to be when this when they go to this to, to lock down this building, these yeah. are going to, these guys are going to go move in there. Now, this Simon are a charitable organisation. They're going to hire the, the, the developers. Are going to hire top dogs. I mean, you 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 were talking the other day that the the the, the corporation gave away a site up in the north side. Just gave gave away for one million. Yeah. I mean, why couldn't they give Simon a plot of land where they could? They don't have to be hiring all these. Yeah, I understand. I can I understand your frustration because you're a resident there all your life, and you're saying this morning that your life will get will get much worse, intolerably worse. Even even the community garden that came around to me there last year because I had I had, I had ornaments stolen from my garden, and she when, when when we were talking about this, she said, "You know what? I would be advising you to do. I would be advising everybody in this house to get a CCTV camera under house." Is that right? Oh my God! Oh my. Yeah, so you're a real life story as to how it will impact on your life, your quality of life, and your peace in retirement. But, but, but Niall, I went from the outset of this when this started out. They made no consultation with us. We were never told about it. We were there was nothing told to us until somebody spotted the, the the sign on the wall. Yeah. And then when we tried to get a meeting with Simon, they wouldn't meet us. Yeah. But fortunately, that we have a resident here, I think that had some contact into the Simon Rogers, yeah. and then they, they sent out two executives to meet us. But listen, this was all hot water. And for people, that, yeah, for people who don't know, it's the Alfred Street Railway Street area. Remember the old Saab dealership, the car dealership there? That's, that's the building that, we're talking that, about. That's the building we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. It was Barry's, it was Chris O'Manny's. And you also are saying that it's a vi- very busy thoroughfare. For you, you think that the people that would be living there won't behave, is it? I... I, that would be one, one of my concerns. The other concern is that when this building is built, that there's going to be uh, sort People of hanging verandas, around verandas on, the, on that building, and they're going to be li- looking directly into my garden. Yeah. In other words, people will be able to go look veranda. They will look into my garden. And do you also think yeah. that the 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 problem that Simon have already down where they are is that many people gather around there. We did a vox pop and down there last week I, where I there was lots to of the radio. And uh, what, what what I can't understand uh, understand Neil, is that there was already a vacant warehouse alongside the Simon Anderson's key. Yeah. Why yeah. didn't they build on to extend that? They could not give us an answer. Yeah. I know, I know. And and is game over now? I mean, I know the council oh, the have said... game is over. They're I going to build it. Yeah, but they, this council have, have, have gone back to them about... Um, you know what? There are issues with regards to light and daylight and sunlight and how it will affect people with this big building. But apart from that, that's all. It, it, if they fix all that, that will... The, the, the 78 apartments... I don't know how tall they'll be, but it will go ahead, won't eight, it? Eight to ten stories. Ten stories high, yeah. Eight to ten... Eight stories on one side and ten stories on the other. And ju- just to give you an idea, Noel, at one stage, I could walk out my front door and I could look up across the farmer's cross on a winter's day and I could see the snow on the hills across. Yeah. On a spring morning, you could see the sun rising over the, mo- over the hills. 
and in the evening you could see you, you just looked out and you just saw this, this this beautiful sort of vista if you like this beautiful yeah vista. there's nothing I can see nothing now I know I know I can't even I used to be able to see the city hall clock from my front door I can't see it now I can't see farmers cross and once this building goes up in front of me this is another this is another sort of block if you like there's going to be a, a block in front of me that will take away any views that I ever, that we ever had. In 24 million could have been used, you say, to retrofit over 250 houses as opposed Absolutely. to... Absolutely. Yeah, I, would, I would say that. And okay. put people into communities where they, where they could thrive. This is direct provision by any other name. And like we're very critical of how we're treating the refugees with direct provision. And, and you know, yeah. we, we, we have this... It's an appalling system. All right. Okay. And for me, I, I, I think that this, that the, 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 the fact that they're going ahead with this, I'm, I mean, I'd like to know what people in Cork think. I'd, I'd like to know what, 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 what experts out there think about Okay, about, let's, about let's put that question out there and see what people well, say. 78 apartments, other, 10 stories high. The problem with this, Niall, and if you believe this, there's not going to be one person in, in that building have a car. Why would that matter? Because of parking, obviously. We have, there's no parking here. Oh, yeah, but the service users, I mean, they're trying to put their lives back oh, together oh, again. Oh, oh yeah, but oh, each, each apartment will be allocated, I think, a, a bicycle a bicycle slot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you're already here. If you, God forbid, if, if, if you're, just suppose your grandmother was still alive. If you had to come down and see your grandmother, you'd have to pay to see her. No, I mean, uh, you know, I'd be, I'd be worried if, if, for instance, antisocial behaviour started to gather around that area I, for the likes I, of you or if my grandmother was still alive and she was living there and, you know, yeah, we see but, but, people but hanging even, out. Even on your grandmother's steps now at the moment, like there's a day that I would pass down and, I, like, when, as I said, when I, I'm waddling around, so I came back, you could see them sitting on your grandmother's step and they're, 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 they're swapping whatever <laughs> portions they have or whatever like that. I know. Even even in, in my own area, in my terrace, I happen to be looking down one day at the end of the terrace because you can come in off the road onto the gate. And there was three girls down there. I'd say the eldest was probably 12. One could have been about nine or ten, and they were smoking grass. At that age? At that age. And I went down and I told them, I said, stay where you are. I said, the guard, you're on the way. There's a hidden camera here. That's how I know you're, do- you're doing it. And they took off like scarlet cats. I, I just hope there's a lesson for them. It's got so young, though. They've got so young. It's so sad. But as you, but as you as a resident, of course, you have rights, too, and you feel your rights haven't been listened to. Let's, let's see what other people make of it, John, all right? Yeah. I, I, but I, for me, it's the amount of money... I mean, this, this, this thing now, as I said, 24 million. Off at 24 million. I, I actually think that this will probably cost maybe 30, 40 million to build. Yeah. And I mean, for me, I tell you this much now, no, Simon will not get another cent off me. Because I, 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 as I said, this John, is I, I know, I know, but John says, John's text here. John says he's complaining that he, that uh, you know your life will be changed or your view will be blocked because of I, a new building and the people this, sleeping. This, this, on. This, this, he this, says, this, do you not realise people are sleeping on the streets? I do. Yeah, and I do, and I, 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 I see it. I, I see it when, I, when I'm out in the boy. I see people, and I see people on the streets. I, I see it across my own area here that you can see them in doorways. You can, I, when I'm down on, uh, walking on Horgan's Key, I can see the duvets that are thrown away from people that are sleeping alongside of the water. I can see that. 
and I appreciate that people have to be housed, but this is direct provision by any other name. Okay. They're going okay. to shove people into a tobler. And if you remember, Noel, what happened in the Ballymun Flats in Dublin, I mean, this will look fantastic, I'd say. For, this will, they'll, they'll jump over, over the moon and they'll say, look what we're doing for the homeless. And I guarantee you, I, I probably won't be around because my health isn't that great. But I, I will tell you that in, in maybe in about five years, this thing will be like Anderson's Key. And if you, if you walk down Anderson's Key and look at the building, it doesn't look very inviting. Because you can see the way it is that the... the, the, the it's sort of after wearing I, I know it and, I, and I know I know what it and I know what it attracts as well I really do I have yes. some texts on this John stay in touch though but um, thanks for taking the call I'd love to hear from other people with regards to your and comments I, and that's your what thoughts. I want to do I want to put right. out to the people of Cork what Thank people of think about the cost of this I'd like I'd like professionals to come on and say what kind of an impact it would have on, on the homeless okay. that would be in there Okay, all right. Okay, thank you for that. Appreciate it. Sorry, can't come on air. The Simon development is the complete disgrace. We're building an amazing business district employing thousands of thousands of people down there and they're going to be drug users all over the place like they've ruined the keys around the boardwalk. They need to scatter Simon housing around. Putting them all together in one area is asking for trouble. It's already ruined Victoria Road and there's dealing going on in plain sight everywhere. This tower has gone very much under the radar, you know, and it's a disgrace. Let's stop being so PC. It'll cause problems in the area for sure, says Damien. Another one, this man is so right. Throwing everyone with issues onto the same bus is just asking for trouble. Look at the usual pockets around the city with social housing. This will become one major danger zone down there. Text 0868104106. I want to stay with the city, actually, if you don't mind, but um, a more positive aspect to the city. Uh, after the break, I'll tell you more. Stop thinking out loud and call Neil Prendeville now on 0818 104 106 Corks Ed FM Joe Long I've been very much looking forward to my chat with you good morning good morning Kev. and you go back um, a few years now I have to say um, and your young life was on Patrick Street wasn't it I think you lived over the chateau Lee Chateau was that right Right, yep. And if I just wind the clock back to, to 1947, you were what was fondly known as a Besborough baby, is that right? That's quite right. Okay. And were fostered out quite young then. How, how young were you? Um, I was fostered out until I was five. 1954. In 1954. I was seven, sorry, seven. And then I was adopted. By the same family? Yes. Oh, and that family lived over the chateau, was it? That's quite right. Okay, so you were about, what, seven years old? That's right, yeah. And did the family that you were fostered and adopted to, did they work in the city, or was, that, was, there, was there a place of business near the parts of the city? Um, I wouldn't say business, but <laughs> they, my father didn't work well because he had a ill hand. Yeah. And my mother worked in several places, but she ended up working in Pop's Chip Shop. Where was that? Roberts. In Drawbridge Street, okay. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. there was a chip around Drawbridge Street in the 50s called Pops, was there? Right, right. So Patrick Street and the city streets would have been your playground, would they? Well, yes, yes. Yeah. Where did you go to school then if you lived over the chateau? I went to school in St. Francis in the North Main Street. Where was that? Uh, just a few, put up by Bradley's now at the moment. Yeah. And just 
as you get to Bradley's, there's a little opening, a little laneway there. Right. But there's a parking in down out. But oh. that's the entrance of the school. If you went out to Shear Street, it's the Monty Denominal School now. Right. And was that a primary? It is, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So you were born um, over the shadow. Would that have been near, or lived near over the shadow? Was that near the green door? Green door was around the corner. So you were literally looking out your bedroom window onto Patrick Street. And was there, was there many families living on the likes of Patrick Street or the Grand Parade or the Mall back in the 50s? Oh, there was, because most of us, when I were there, we were moved out to Battlefield in 59. Most of the people in uh, Paul Street, Brown Street, uh, corporation buildings, they were moved out to Battlefield And they were given the option when... They had built within the inner city again that they could come back. But so a lot of them are still in Shear Street now because they came back in. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. But what was so wrong with people living upstairs on Patrick Street? Did they say that people needed to move to housing estates, was it? Well, the, the, the upstairs parts were falling apart anyway. Were they? I mean, were they? they were never maintained. You see, because Murphy's Broadway, I think. I don't know who wanted the building. Yeah. So were there many families in the building you were in on Patrick Street upstairs? No, there only two families. Uh, the first floor to come up the steps was Percy Clark, which was the, they used to sell radios and things like that. And then yeah. on the next floor, you had a watchmaker, <laughs> Mr. Herman, and across the landing from him, you had J.A. Long, the tax collector. Go away. And there was a lot of businesses upstairs in the city back then, wasn't there? On the top, we were on the left, and the Murphys were on the right. So as a young fella then, growing up, on Patrick Street. Was it a safe place for a young boy? Uh, it was. It was, yeah. Because, well, we, I did, we got up to a lot of different men, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where, where, did you, where did you play ball? It, my, my life was, uh, how should I put it, going up and down the shops. The, the next shop to where I lived was the LNN. The LNN, yeah. Just... London and Newcastle. What's there now? It's where air is now, the air falls. So can you go up one side of Patrick Street and down the other? A little bird told me you could, little birdie. There are 90 odd shops in Patrick Street. So there's no way you get through them all <laughs> with, with, you know, any bit of, um, you know. I was looking at some of them. I was reading CorkHeritage.ie there ahead of my chat with you and they, they can go back to the 1850s and before it. Oh, I know, I know, but it was amazing what businesses were there in the 1850s that are still there today, including Murray's, which opened in 1828, would you believe? Yeah. That's a long time ago. And I suppose, you can you recall, like, the Tivoli and Cash's and Rocha's stores and the yes. burning of the Opera House and things like that? Yes. At the night of the burning of the Opera House, we were standing up on our beds inside at home because we were at the back of the building. Yeah. And I, we were looking up at the sky... And it was massive, right? I can't remember. You're sure you were only a couple of hundred yards from it. Tomorrow's going to be a good day. <laughs> you <laughs> you know? Sky is red, the devil is dead, no school tomorrow, but it was the opera was burning. But what happened was then we were told later on that the examiner office had their premises on Half Moon Street with, with the printing paper. Yeah, that's so right. They were trying yeah. to get their paper out that's right. because of the fire. You see? Yeah, because if the, if the paper took hold, the whole yeah. of Patrick Street would have gone up. Yeah, you see, that's what they're afraid of. And not alone that, but the vans used to be filled over there. They had the, the diesel or whatever, petrol as well there, you see. And wasn't you know? wasn't Johnson and Perrett there as well? 
on Emmett Place. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, as I said, no, uh, I worked in the LNN, I worked in Smith Stores, and I worked in Woolworths. Go away. What did you do in Woolworths? I was storeman there. Get away. Did you go straight into those jobs after school, was it? Oh, no, 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 no. I was a messenger boy for the LNN. Did you have a bike? Yeah, I had a bike, yeah. <laughs> what did the LNL, What did LNN sell? Grocery and provision. So you were up on the bike bringing the messages to all of the houses? Well, not houses, but we used to do a lot of business with country people. Right. And they'd, they'd make up the orders. You'd, you'd buy a ticket then for have the stuff delivered to the, to the railway gotcha. or the bus office. Oh, my God. You, you would bring, it to, you would bring it to meet the train, yeah. Go down the railway when they're going home and pick up their... Goods again, you see. So what other, what other businesses stood out on Patrick Street? Because, um, you know, I, I spoke about Murray's. Woodford Bournes would be another one. The Victoria Hotel. Obviously, the Monster Arcade and Cashes. Places like that. Woodford Bournes used to have a coffee machine in the window. Big, massive steel with a globe in it. And as you know, the coffee beans would be green. Yes, yeah, right. Before roasting. So the machine would go on in the morning to brown the beans to heat them. But if you look, uh, even today, you know, under McDonald's, there's a grill in, in the wall, right? Yeah. And the heat used to come out there. So we used to stand there in the winter when we got to school to heat ourselves up. <laughs> I must check out that grill next time in that area. Did you ever come across Sean Murphy's dog trough? I did, of course. The Madra. Where is that? Is it still there? Number 121, is it? That was up above by the old bridge. Right. Outside of the Swan and Cygnus. <laughs> that was taken, it was in the last couple of years, somebody took it away and they didn't know who took it, the corporation were looking for it. But only recently was it returned back to where it should be and it's just there now under the, the window ledge. So it's back again. And that literally was for dogs to get it a drink of water. The, um, people that were visiting the old bridge and, you know, if the weather was hot, give their dogs some water, you know? Would the, do- like that. would the dogs be outside when they were in the old bridge having food or a couple of pints, is it? I never frequented the old bridge as such, but all I know is you could go in from Patrick Street yeah. and come out on Lepis Key. Do you, recall, do you recall the earlier days of, say, the Pav and the Palace? Sunday night was a big night in the city for dating, wasn't it? And going to the pictures. The Savoy Cinema, Sunday night was... If they have a tick for that, they're getting into heaven. <laughs> because uh, families had tickets, so they gave it to their daughter one week, and they gave it to their son the next week, and the other intended the week after. <laughs> but I can gather, um, there was a chap who used to sell them on the black market. <laughs> I won't name him, but anyway. <laughs> okay, and I think in the palace and the pa- sorry, in the Savoy and the Pav, you got a, there was some Savoy. yeah, there were some handy restaurants as well in both of them, wasn't there? You got a food and everything. There was it, it, the, the restaurant in Savoy was up the stairs, away up under the, the second level. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pavilion, which was on the first floor. I vaguely so remember I, the pavilion. I never ate in the pavilion, and I never ate in the Savoy. But you so must. You, you must. Are you tapping them on when you were going into the gods or into the the, the the balcony in the Savoy? Do you remember any of the characters in the city back in the day, the likes of Andy Gaw or Holy Joe or anybody else like yeah. that? Um, Andy Gaw was his name was uh, Griffin Egan. Sorry, Egan was his name. Joe, yeah, Egan, yeah, Joe Egan, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And he and left. And they came from Port Lane. I went to school with his grandson. Did you? And they, they moved. They moved up to Spangle Hill. Did he ever give? Did he ever give you a couple of pennies? You see, the thing was, Andy Gore was he'd go to the child with a penny and tap him on the head and give the child a penny, and he'd have his hand over to the father. <laughs> <laughs> he give out a penny and get back a shilling, maybe is it? So, so if you were upstairs living over the chateau. Were you ever downstairs in the chateau? I were. I drank there. A pint was two and six. And we drank there for years and years and years. Is that right? We did indeed. That was after you moved out of the city, but as a small boy, yeah. you wouldn't have gone in for a bottle of lemonade or anything, no? Oh, no, 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 no. Because, uh, as I said, um, Maura, when I grew up, then we used to go back into town, and there was three of us, and you know, a couple of chaps from the south side, and the north side, sorry. Yeah. And we'd meet. In the bar. Yeah. We're there for years. And Maura, Dan and Mick and their mother would be there, of course. My, I meet Mike very often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, when my brother is home, my brother lives in Spain. But when he's home, we'd normally go in there to Michael. Any other shops that spring to mind? Cavendishes. Oh, yeah, my dad worked in Cavendishes. He did, yeah. yeah. He, was on the, he was on the road for them, selling furniture and bedding and pillows. You name it, he was selling it. Mr. Russell was the manager. <laughs> I didn't know that. They were very, they were very busy. But I, I tell you a good story about that now. My father bought a coat from my mother on the HP. It was a lovely, kind of a, a tweedy, pink and red with boys, you know? Yeah. And... He was paid for every week and every week went by. And so eventually, anyway, uh, he went in one day and he met the manager. And he said, uh, I'm coming in to make the last payment on the course. <laughs> the manager said to him, I don't think so, Mr. Long. I'm afraid there's another three or four payments. <laughs> or they had bloom order. It fell out. And the moral of the story was, the court was after going into the bin well before they even had it paid for. <laughs> <There you are. laughs> the HP was you get it today and you pay for it tomorrow and next week and the week after and the week after that. I'd say a lot a lot of people did that with many, many things, didn't they? Stage payments on credit. But the moral of the story is if you can't afford it, don't buy it, save up for it. <laughs> That's right. And back then when you were living on Patrick Street were all the horses and tram? With all the horses and carts gone, was it all just motor cars and trucks then? Yeah, I not I just thought there might have been a stray one or two knocking around. You know, the only thing that was left was the taxis in the middle of the road That's right. and the thunderlamps. They took them away then. What about toy shops, though? When you were a boy? Oh, oh yeah, we had Kilgrews, we had Jays. Uh, we had Robert Days. Robert Days had, they, they had beautiful trays set upstairs. They had laid out on the table. Massive. There were stations, there was this, that and the other thing. It was beautiful, you know? You had your eyes on that as a boy, I'm sure, did you? We couldn't afford it. Anyway. We never got it. The only year you ever got 
when I, when I was very young was any European. My brother came back from England. But when you went to yeah. Santa Claus, say, when you were a small boy, did you go to Cash's? Did you go to the Monster Arcade? Did you go to Buckley's? Where did you go? It, the Monster Arcade had a beautiful cinema upstairs. And you could watch uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs there. But you'd have to buy a ticket and to get a parcel and then you could go upstairs. I remember it. It is over in Princess Street. And it is in an alcove with a mask. And that was it. <laughs> I'd go to Monster Arcade, would you? It goes below in, 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 in Merchant's Key. They had a slide down into this kind of a grotto. You go upstairs and you come down the slide into the grotto to Santy. <laughs> All we got was a penny and an apple in our sock. On Christmas morning? Yeah. The money must have been tight, was it, Joe? Well, as I said, my mother was the only one that was working. She'd go in on a Friday morning. The chip shop would open at 12. And she'd be there till 11 o'clock on Friday night. And this is no word of a lie, because I was there with her. She'd have a ton of potatoes. They'd have to, they'd go into a potato peeler. She'd have to eye them. Go ahead. And they would go into a bat out in the yard. She was in another little canopy. And it was hard going. It was hard going. Put about five bags of potatoes. Good God. It was very, it was very physical work, wasn't it? Yeah. And we'd be going home at uh, 11 o'clock, we'd say. And Mr. Chandler, they, was, they, they were English. And the reason it was called Pops is because of her father. They used to call him Pop. But anyway, getting back, we'd be going home at 11 and we'd get our fish and chips and my mother would get her wages. Go away. And my mother would give my brother and myself a half crown each. For the week? Well, to spend. That was a lot of money, though, half a crown. Of course. And we'd go around in, in Timmy's place the Manny's shop, there was a shop there alongside of Charlie uh, McSweeney, and we'd get our comics, Topper or the Beezer. <laughs> <laughs> do, you not get a, do you not get a bag of sweets as well as the comic? Oh, no, 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 no. I worked in Bona Green Street when I was a young fella for a Miss Ryan. Her married name was Barry. She was a florist. Right. And I would deliver the wreaths to O'Connor's, to the funeral homes, and to St. Peter and Paul's. How old were you? I was about seven or eight. <laughs> and <laughs> when I was doing the bouquets, I'd have to deliver them Christmas night for the weddings on Christmas or on St. Stephen's Day. We'd have to have a box and tissue paper to make sure that the bouquet wouldn't be damaged. So during the week... My job was to get big boxes, tissue paper, and I'd get them from done stores in Bona Green Street. They had a depot there. I heard I heard you used to get empty shoe boxes, I'm told. That's quite right. I used to get shoe boxes from Ben Dunn's <laughs> every day and I used to sell them to Smith stores. Most of the parcels in Smith stores would be Daily roads up the mountain, not in places like that. So a shoebox would do the, the business. So you sold them the empty shoeboxes, made and a few bob. Would, every twelve I'd have, I get six pence for them. L&M had a depot 
in Cadmus Street, which they used to have, uh, they used to sell gifts with stamps. Yeah. They used to pack their own tea and their own fruit. So when the tea chest was empty, the tea chest inside had tissue paper and silver paper. Go ahead, did, yeah. So I'd cut out the tissue paper and I'd cut out silver paper. The silver paper would be for the book, uh, for the buttonholes. <laughs> the tissue paper would be for the for the bride. Okay? You were very and the boxes. So I done well. You were very resourceful as a young fellow, weren't you? Well, I suppose a, a, a mini entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> mini entrepreneur, a bit of a Dell boy. <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as that. <laughs> You and, wouldn't uh, have been out of place on only fools and horses. <laughs> oh, um, would you eat? Would you eat out at all? Because there was an awful lot of restaurants on Patrick Street, wasn't there? Would you have ever gone into the Tivoli, for instance? We did actually. I ate in the Tivoli. My, my young friends was it their communion? I got all confirmation, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it posh? Yeah. Was it very posh? It was. I found it very dark anyway. <laughs> The churches back then would have been very busy, wouldn't they? Been like full, I suppose, every day, and there have been five or six masses a day, right? They half eight, half nine, eleven, and four weekdays. Sundays half eleven and one. Go ahead. And have you a good singing voice? I have a lovely voice. Thank God. That's the only thing that God gave me that I could use. <laughs> he gave you a great memory as well, Joe. I, I sent him to you. There would be ninety-five shots. 95 from and did you remember those from memory yep we sat down one night inside in the bar and we were going through them and as we were going through them we were drinking of course needless to say after a while <laughs> <laughs> it was getting longer and we were getting fuller. oh yeah yeah should the couple of pints refresh the memory yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay see, I think your senses you've got to use your senses yeah the Lord gave you your smell your hearing, your sight. Use it or lose it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, say of all of the buildings and the shops and the different places on Patrick Street, what what was the one favourite that you would have had? Um, I think uh, Woolworths because we used to get uh, broken chocolate, okay. biscuits, broken biscuits as well. How and did you they? Had toys, yeah, put everything there. So when you went in the front door of Woolworths, there was these long trestle tables full of chocolate and biscuits, wasn't there? Right, that's no. right. And upstairs, mostly of uh, hardware and things like that. Yeah, but uh, downstairs with jewellery. Yeah. Um, mostly, you know, and uh, the ice cream. You said the ice cream as well, both sides of the, the shop. Like you had the stairs to go up on the left, and you could come down on the right if you wanted to. But it must have been a delight for children to imagine they probably grabbed a fistful and ran from time to time, too, I'd say, did they? Um, I don't know about that, not all. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. What about the ice? Uh, Wasn't there O'Brien? The, the only time I had anything to do with biscuits was in the LNN. They used to have a stand with a, a glass covering. It used to be three rows. And the tins of biscuits would be put in on the three rows. I remember. They'd lift the lid of the, the cabinet, you see? Yeah. So when you'd be busy for Friday, you could walk in. Put your back to the cabinet and put your hand behind your back and lift up the lid and put your hand in and walk out. <laughs> and what would you get? Would you get a Marietta, is it, or a, a Mikado or what? <laughs> we got everything we had in Marietta. Kimberly, coconut, you You never yeah. did that, of course, Joshua. You didn't. You never robbed the biscuits. 
Well, we were only sampling them. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, it was quality control. Did you ever go to O'Brien's for a Knickerbocker Glory or an ice cream or anything? No. As I said, no, we didn't have the money. I know. So you couldn't do it. You could only look. I know, you could only look. We lived lived on stews and bacon and bodice. And fish and chips. You must have enjoyed the fish and chips on the Friday night in Pops. I can tell you now. You know, we had a tough. We had a tough. Yeah, I know. My, my father used to get country butter over in the market. And you put it on your bread, and before you go to eat, you catch your nose. <laughs> well, it would knock you. So, Joe, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for sharing your memories. That's okay. It's okay. No problem. Before you go, now, there's one thing I have to say. Yeah. And I just come from my heart now. I don't know who I am. Because I don't have a birth cert. And at the way things are going in the Doyle, the children's minister, it could be another three or four years before they sanction giving us our birth certs. So we know who our parents were. And that is, you know, it hurts. Yeah, yeah. It hurts. 75 years without a birth cert. You don't know who your mum and dad were, no, Joe? And did you spend no. did you spend a lot of your life hoping and thinking that at some stage they no, would? No. no. My my daughter got a DNA kit and I done the DNA. And I have relations from County Clare. Yeah. So my mother I think we probably came from County Clare. Yeah. Yeah. And that's as far as I know now. And did you ever request information to try and find out who your mother was? Be weird and like Batuzlan to get it. They won't. They don't give it out. Everyone. They, they ev- give them names in Bisbara that they wouldn't marry or Jane. They never gave the right name. That's right. So you don't know who your mum was or where she came from or what life she had after you were born, and she has no yeah. idea. She's well dead now, Joe, isn't she? Well, I should think so. I should think so. Yeah. Well, who knows? She maybe not. You know, she may have been a very young girl in Bisbara. Did she go to England? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, ple- pleasure talking to you, Joe. And thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry for, for ramming away. You <laughs> did not. It's I kept you longer. Look after yourself. For God's help. God's help. The Neil Prendival Show. Text plus WhatsApp equals 086 8104 106. Corks at FM. Hey, this is Ed Sheeran, and you're listening to Ed FM. I hope you enjoyed that chat with uh, the great uh, Joe Long there on his life and times living over the chateau on Patrick Street back in the day. Text 0868104106. Between now and midday today, we have uh, the singer-songwriter, troubadour, all-round good guy Donovan in studio to play us out. I've also got some Ed Sheeran tickets to give away just before midday today. And we'll pick up on the Ed Sheeran gig last night uh, on Leaside. But free food Friday today. Good morning to everybody at Balafihan Health Centre. Guys and dolls on the South Main Street and they'd all share apparently, says Sarah. Uh, Telcomet Medical Device Factory down in Middleton are listening this morning. So is everybody at Boots on Half Moon Street. To Oliver Hayes Gardening Services in Bandon. Good morning to you all. To Zoo Cars in Little Island. To the Porters working away. Morning, Brendan. All the porters down at the South Infirmary. Guys and dolls on the South Main Street. Kevin McAllen building. Working away. Hi, Kieran and Niall and all of the gang and Pat Dunley 
as well. Rob and the gang at Transport in Ballyvalan, hungry lads to the Irish Removals crew at Bish- in Bishopstown. Love the show, listening all of the time. Uh, Siobhan and the staff at uh, Clonakilty Community Hospital, Auto Spa Car Valeting in Ballancolig, to everybody working at the Dean Hotel who are listening every day, Rockwell Engineering and Pfizer's, to my dad in the traditional care unit in Clonakilty Community Hospital, and to the wonderful staff caring for him, says Brida. For everybody working uh, at Cheeky Cherubs in Bishopstown and Ballancolig, to REA O'Donoghue Clark Auctioneers on Cook Street, our Dara Cope Foundation, O'Connor Pool Opticians in Blackpool. We'll do some more shout outs just after 11. Your chance to scoop lunch for up to 15 of your starters, main courses, dessert, the a lot, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry Perry Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Just another one or two. CBC in Cork City, Eurostyle in Blackpool, Alton and out in Ovens, Premier Golf Brands, Blockwall Developments, DPD Depot and Don Manway, and just one more for now. Power Aggregates in Carrick Tools. So keep those texts coming. Text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. Ed Sheeran's idea of the perfect morning. Are you ready? The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Ed FM. Okay, just a quick shout out to everybody involved in Make-A-Wish because they are 30 years now granting wishes and today is Make-A-Wish Day and it's their anniversary week, if you like, ahead for the next week and today's the day when we remind you that they have already granted 2,770 wishes to children living with life-threatening illnesses. Is it really 30 years since I was originally chatting way back then with Shea Kinsler when that was in its first year and its first months, 30 years later they go from strength to strength. So it's a big day today uh, as they continue to grant wishes to children who need it most. And uh, today's their annual donation day. And you can get further details if you wish to help with uh, regards to giving them a few bob or helping in any way um, on their website, makeawish.ie forward slash donate. You can also text the word wishes to 50300 wishes to 50300 you'll be donating 4 euro and helping to make wishes and dreams come true for many children living with life threatening illnesses congratulations on reaching the 30 mark to everybody at make a wish hey it's dave join me weekdays from 4 for dave max drive where i'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home big hits loads of fun features and traffic info what more could you need join me weekdays from 4 dave max drive Hey, what's up? This is Ed Sheeran. Oh. The Neil Prendival Show on Ed FM. Is everyone here to have a good time? The number one talk show in court. Yeah, you better believe it. That's me now. There's always lovely texts come in when people are on talking about Cork and telling nostalgic stories of their own youth. Here's just one typical one. You should have Joe Long on the air every week telling stories about the old days in Cork. You could tell he was beaming, dropping in gem after gem after gem of a story. I'm always delighted. And people do love the old stories. You know, they really and truly do. So if anybody has old stories to share, you can always get in touch by email, email neil at uh, redfm.ie or drop me a letter. You know, if it's pen and paper you like to use, then please feel free to do so. Just neil at uh, redfm. Curraheen and Cork will get me. It's fairly straightforward. But yesterday, of course, it was the build-up. We were chatting yesterday morning with the build-up to the first Ed Sheeran gig on Side, And by all accounts, it went down an absolute storm. Everyone enjoyed it and the weather was on side too so just ahead of the gig yesterday Kevin was outside the gates of Parky Cueve yesterday, microphone in hand talking to all of the excited fans that were heading into the gig the excited concert goers, they came from all sorts of places, big and small um, very young to the not so young, to see the guitar playing superstar play Cork's biggest gig uh, in years have a listen, here's the audio 
Um, can I ask you first what your names are? It's Linda. Linda. Linda Amanda. Uh, Emily. And Katie. Where are you all from? Carrick Tool. is King. East Cork, so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll say France myself, but they are from Italy, okay. so nice. We're, we're in France. South of France. Super. Born Furt and Mellow. Born Furt and Mellow, all the way down, not a bother. I'm Casey from Nakanahini. I'm going back to Cork. No, I'm back. Italy, south of Italy. South of Italy as well. And Italy from Rome. Oh, okay. So, guys, when did you get your tickets for Ed Sheeran? Uh, we got cheap. them last year. The day they the came day, out. Yeah, the day they <laughs> came out. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, are you big, big Ed Sheeran fans? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We are very yeah. big. So, Kaveri, are you big Ed Sheeran fans? Not really. Yes! <laughs> Sorry. Yes, 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 yes. That's such a big... Sorry. That's such a big difference. Uh, what's that around your, your neck? Oh, just a badge for the concert. It looks very fancy altogether. Is, did everyone get these? It's only like five euros. All right. <laughs> we have all lost some land on the street there. <laughs> I thought you were going in as VIP. You're not going to snake in as VIP, so no. <laughs> no. It's rare, though. <laughs> anyway, it's always worth your chance, Jerry. Are you out in town beforehand? Yeah! Some buzz, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> so have you seen Ed Sheeran four years ago? Is this yeah. your first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 second time. Second first time. He's a green. He's a green. What's the best thing about him? Uh, he's here. He's here. And you know it's okay because Ed Sheeran is a sexy ginger. So guys, are your favorite Ed Sheeran songs? I love Give Me Love. And I love uh, the A Team, a perfect shape of you. Shivas, Shivas, perfect. There's so many of them, right? What about yours? Visiting that world. The A Team, shape of you. <laughs> I think Photographer Lego like yeah, House, photograph. one of the older ones. A Team as well. Thinking out loud. Bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> photograph. Yeah, bad habits. Castle on the Hill. Castle on the Hill. There you go, Castle on the Hill. Watch it. Representing Nakanini. <laughs> I didn't know that was an Ed Sheeran song. Uh, perfect, I'll see. I would say photograph. Oh, that was mine. Ah, Will you give us a few bars or two of your photographs? Oh, my God. No, no, no. My bad habits lead to wide eyes, stare in a space. Conversations in a stranger. I'm This will be the last, but it probably won't. I got nothing left to do. Will you I like it when you do I'm the shape of you Push and pull like a magnet I'm on the floor like a violin too I'm in love with the shape of you That's her, she can sing Go on You give me shivers And baby you're gonna dance Till the sunlight cracks When they say the party's over Then we bring it right back Well done, Brittany when I was six years old, I broke my leg. Ed Sheeran, you just can't fault the guy. It literally is hit after hit after hit after hit. And apparently that was the case last night. We uh, also had uh, one of our own team members down there. Lee Nagel was there. How did it go? Neil, it was unreal. What yeah. a show. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Unbelievable build-up for days and days and days, and he delivered. And you see the photograph that Eddie O'Hare has in the front of the Echo today, just a close-up of Sheeran and his guitar. And it's a revolving stage, right? Yeah, he revolves around on the stage, and then partway through the show, then he goes into the middle. Um, there's a beautiful um, circular 
it's uh, it's like a backdrop except it's the whole way around and it goes up and down throughout the show um, and he's got sort of plectrums placed around the um, around the auditorium auditorium so you can see him from wherever you are in the in the place and it's really really like what 35,000 people all in one 35,000 people and it was the most intimate um, gig I've ever been to probably people of all ages right because your daughter was there and she's quite young yeah my daughter she's nearly nine um, and we went when she was five as well so it was a change to see it um, but it was the gig itself felt far more intimate than the last one definitely all ages um did From he say he preferred the core crowd? Here I am wearing the rebel hat here now, but he said they were livelier, was it? That's what he was saying. Now, obviously, he probably says that to all the crowds um, <laughs> to get them hyped up. I'm sure when he's in, in Limerick with, the, with Denise Chyla as well, that'll get a huge yeah. uh, reaction. But he said that the Quirk people are um, are brilliant people and um, that it's a home and he has people that he knows here and I family. think he's relatives from Cork, you know. Yeah, he somewhere. said he has family here and he didn't mention exactly where, yeah. but he did say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, we're close to his heart. Yeah, how long was the gig? <laughs> it was... a. a just over two hours. Fair play to him. Yeah, yeah, two hours. And was it like was it? You have thirty-five people going in into different zones. Mm-hmm. You were mentioned to me off air that you'd just for tonight's gig be be aware of the color coordinations. Yes, I will say that. So if you are going with younger people, older people, or anybody who might have trouble um, moving about, that if you ask the stewards basically which colour which route you're meant to go because you could end you up at the completely opposite end yeah, of the stadium and I did see that happen to one older couple and they looked like they were about to cry because they would have had to do the whole walk again so yeah, yeah. don't end up in that position tell me about the person who collapsed yeah so there we were just sitting down and it was lovely and he was about to start a song he was doing a little bit of chat and he just noticed that something was amiss in the crowd um, and he said oh guys he just called attention to it and he said um, we're going to stop for a sec we want to make sure that um, there's someone after passing out and we need yeah. to clear the crowd medics through he waited I'd say 40, 50 seconds yeah. and then he once he knew everything was okay he carried on he had control over everything his his fingerprint was on every single thing when, I, when you were telling you know? me that story I, I was thinking you know artists on a stage they actually do notice everything don't yeah, they yeah he really did they're seem, not zoned out they're very conscious in the moment particularly Ed I mean I've been disappointed by concerts in the past where you really are looking forward to something and the person doesn't want to be there you know yeah, what I mean And you could, all, some of them are autopilot I saw the Eagles play the RDS and it was yeah. like listening to a CD yeah you know? and that's so disappointing the, yeah you, I don't think he's motivated by the money I mean it helps yeah. right? but I think he, he's a genuine character isn't well, he well before I went to his first concert I might have said oh his music isn't really mine and I mean after the first one and then last night solidified it in my heart as an absolute so um, what maniac. song rocks I mean there's so many hits but if they have to pick um, one out um, I think Galway Girl he made a production of that it was very uh, like he started off with the Monday version and then he brought it into his own one there was fireworks there was colour smoke um, it was beautiful and then when it starts to get dark and he tells people to take out their phone cameras <laughs> and you know 35,000 lights around and you're just like oh I suppose it was so exciting for me because I hadn't really left the house much in two years so um, I'm thrilled um, it wasn't a wild night out like I'm used to but yeah. it was absolutely really heartwarming and yeah. lovely to see people enjoying themselves yeah, again that's the you know? secret that everybody yeah. enjoy themselves and he yeah. does have a band but they're they're kind of strategically positioned around the stage I'm told or something like that yeah you can't really see them that much um, they are positioned I think there's four of them maybe yeah. five um, around him on the stage 
they, as I said, he gives them a shout out or whatever, but they kind of disappear sort of halfway through and it's back to Ed um, on his own again. What then. a showman. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. And finally, did did it get a little cold then? Would people need a jacket or a coat because it's at night? I'd say bring one, but I, I was okay. I think um, the the buzz of it really, um, and you're moving the whole time and, well, we, we were because we were standing and obviously uh. dancing. Um, <laughs> also, uh, one thing I will say is I was strategic with my exit. I knew where I wanted to, how I wanted to go home. So I Military um, fashion. Yeah, military fashion know how you're getting in know how you're getting out and the stewards and everybody else manages the rest it's phenomenal well, well done. done listen yeah. thanks for popping in Leah glad thanks, you enjoyed Neil. it for people who are going tonight you'll be extra excited now following my chat with Lee often I was just wondering actually what's Reggie's take would you think Reggie's take on the Ed Sheeran gig down Parky Cueve hello Old Stocks Ed listen I have a message here from the Camps Cork industry for Ed Sheeran Ed we'd love you to write a song about Cork I mean come on You've written one about Galway, that shower of fire-eating bongo jugglers. Would you like to buy my book of poetry? F*** off! Come on now, Ed. High time you wrote a song about Cork. Uh, first of all, welcome to Cork. Jesus, I'd say you. You must be delighted to be out of Dublin. That shower of gougers. Speaking of gouging, by the way, Ed. 20 quid for a ticket? Look at you. In our view on the captains, that's silly money. I mean, you'd have had no problem getting your fans to pay 150. Well, getting your fans to get their parents to pay 150. Because like nine-year-old girls, Ed, they're very persuasive. Oh, Jesus, I'm robbed from my one. But look... Congratulations and fairness, great achievement, two nights in Porky Cueve. I mean, it's not 13 nights in the Everyman, but still, you know, keep keep ticking away there, you might get there in the end. Now, we'd like to mainly congratulate you, though, on wrecking the grass in Porky Cueve during your concert, because that means they've moved the Cork Kerry match up to Porky Ring. And that means we won't have loads of GA fans coming up and down the Black Rock Road for the match. I mean, that, that's not really a problem for Cork fans, because we don't really jump on the bandwagon until they've beaten Kerry every year. But, uh, you know, they were come on the Rebels, but, but the Kerry fans... They'd be swarming around like with their, their mouth-breathing kids and their freckles. So not to say anything wrong with freckles. Didn't do you any harm. Uh, on that, actually, and I was wondering, like, you know, with all your money, you still kept the old foxy hair. I mean, you must have been tempted, really. Must be terrible being mistaken for Prince Harry. Jesus. Actually, Prince Harry's father was here last month. Uh, thank God he didn't bump into Prince Charles. That'd have been pandemonium. Anyway, look, the song, right? We said we'd give you a helping hand at the start for the song about Cork. So here's the opening line now. I'll just give you the words and you can put a nice little tune to it. So it's walking down Pana, thinking about Flania, right? Now I know it's a bit saucy, in fairness, but then you were a bit saucy because I could hear you last night inside in the park and you were singing uh, Bad Habits, that song. I don't think you're talking about picking your nose there, Ed, if you know what I mean. So listen, uh, get back to me. Let me know when you've got the song done. Best of luck with the best rest of the tour, but sure, obviously it's going to be anti-climax now after Cork and thanks for listening all the best <laughs> I played you Reggie by one in a million I want to go down to Ballon Temple see what the buzz was like yesterday and indeed what people can expect today Con Dennehy is at the venue bar Conrad good morning good morning Neil how, how you was doing? yesterday for you the buzz is it back was, it, it was fantastic <laughs> after so long closed down and after so long lockdowns and God knows what wasn't it marvellous to see families going up and down the road yeah. absolutely elated it was absolutely I'll tell you the buzz was brilliant I know I know was it busy and was that were you busy was the Temple Inn busy we, I think we were busy enough you know and we maybe weren't as busy as the last concert because I think the dynamic the, the age profile maybe is it age profile yes and there were lots of families lovely to see lots of families up and down, you know, yeah. and kids like eight, nine, ten, you know, with their parents. It was, it was lovely. It really was. And everything was marshaled and stewarded properly, and there well, was traffic I'll you, changes. I'll tell yeah. you this. I'll tell you this, though, Neil. I really have to take my hats off to the Gardaí 
the Gardaí were absolutely magnificent. And the stewards, in fairness down to them, right? I think the organisation and the marshalling and everything was, I've never seen it better. Ever, ever, ever seen it better. Uh, like it the Gardaí, the Gardaí did a brilliant job. They yeah. were absolutely fantastic. So nice. Brilliant and and yeah, honestly, compliments to them. It was it was just it's just one of those great family occasions because Ed Sheeran will attract yeah. anybody from a five year old yeah. to an eighty five year old yeah. kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And, and and it and augurs then, well now going forward for life with the marquee, doesn't it? It does actually. It does. Just just Neil, an anecdote there to uh, the Gardaí, Right, I got a phone call from a guard. Uh, he said he had three Chinese ladies and they had backpacks with tablets and computers and laptops and God knows what in, their, in, in the laptop, yeah. in the uh, backpacks. And the security people wouldn't leave them in. Yeah. And wanting to know, would I mind the uh, backpacks until in the pub until such time as the concert was over? And I said, geez, of course I will. No problem. I'll send them up to the Master Khan. And they arrived up at the Astrakhan, and it was my partner Kate they, they got. And uh, she put the pack, backpacks away, and uh, uh, they came back after the concert and got their backpacks, and off they went. It's a lovely touch, isn't it? I mean, that's the sense of community that we and want to hear about. And I tell you what, no, that's, the, that's the nature of the Gardaí down there. No, they were absolutely brilliant. Fabulous, fabulous. Are you doing burgers and pizza and stuff like that? Was no, the, we, are you we, using the courtyard or anything? We are oh God, yeah, we're using the beer garden. Tis, tis, uh, the beer garden is a blessing out there because it's out facing and it's, it's a sun trap, you know. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know we weren't we weren't doing burgers now, but we're doing the pizzas. The pizza guys in there, he's, he's flying tipping away. I'd say that's where you spend most of your time. Is it out in the beer garden getting a suntan? <laughs> Jesus, Neil, I haven't time to get suntan. You want to watch that bald head of yours, though, wouldn't you? Exactly, exactly. You know, it's just like, it's like a solar panel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you soon, Con. Thanks for taking the call. Yes, Neil, look forward to that. All the best. Great Cheers, pal. Great, great to have everything back. You better believe it. Thank you. Free Food Friday today, courtesy of Reserves and Roosters, Piri Piri Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Some more shout-outs for you now for everybody at AP Vaughan Recycling and Tower, to Kellehers and McCroom, to Irish Oxygen on the Waterfall Road that are listening, to Merger. Mercy Urgent Care Centre in Grona Broher. Good morning to you all. To Diana Mahoney, the jeweller shop in Winthrop Street, always listening. Common Sport, particularly the warehouse staff in Little Island. Morning, guys. To everybody at Cork Hygiene Limited on Sarsfield Road. To Springford Cope Foundation. Morning, Mandy. To Glintown Care Centre in Glanmire. East Cork Oil in Middleton. Alcon on the Wandle Farm Road. And also to everybody at D&B Electrical Maintenance in Toker. Now, if I get a chance, I'll do some more shout-outs this side of midday. But the pressure's on now for the next 30 minutes. Live in studio. I've been waiting a long time. Spoke to him on the phone a couple of times, but never in person. In studio next, Donovan. That's incredible. I was just watching your reaction as that played loud. Where were you? Were you away? Were you critical? Were you... Right. Well, I was here, of course, but also I was there and I was everywhere. Uh, you know, this was chosen uh, uh, for that series Britannia. Britannia. It's Celtic rock. Basically, the drummer, I'd asked the drummer to play like a baron, you know. It's not American pop, no. Is that Jimmy Page on, on lead guitar? Well, no. Well, uh, Jimmy was on Sunshine Superman and everybody thought he was on Hurdy Gurdy. Yeah, but I did too. There is a Zeppelin and that's John Paul Jones, the yeah. bass player. He arranged this song with me. John Paul Jones, but not Jim. Jimmy was on Superman. Yeah, but you wanted Hendrix to do lead on that. But he was, I mean, he was gigging somewhere else, was it? The story of me and Jimmy is very interesting because... Uh 
Uh, I was staying in this rotten little rock and roll hotel in Bayswater because I'd just been busted for the the first celebrity. I didn't even have any when they arrived. Cannabis. They had to bring fairness. their own. Uh, but uh, I was we we had to flee the apartment. So Gypsy Dave and I were staying in the little Bayswater rock and roll hotel, and he was dating a Swedish girl and uh, and uh, Chas Chandler the bass player of the Animals had discovered this guy called Jimi Hendrix in New York and uh, we got a call and Jim, uh, a Gypsy picks up the phone and says Chas how you doing you know I'm with my girlfriend here and Chas is with the other Swedish girl her friend you know so we're having a grand old time there and, and he says Jip get in, a, get in a taxi I need you to come to Heathrow because I'm bringing in a new guitar player called Jimi Hendrix so he arrived, Jimmy, and there he was with a suitcase, which was a matchbox, so small, <laughs> pointed shoes, big afro, a one Fender guitar, and he checked him in. Chaz checked Jimmy into this Bayswater hotel, and he only said was, Jimmy said, hello, how are you doing? And he went up to this bedroom. After a while, we got to know each other a little bit, and... Uh, when I, that very week, um, everybody was invited to see Jimmy Hendrix be debuted at the Bag of Nails Club. That's and, right. And, yeah. it went, and it was, and everybody was there. All the big guitar players were there, of course. It was Beck was Clapton there. Clapton was Pace there, was, wasn't he? Huh? Clapton was watching him. Oh, obviously. everybody. And they were all having a grand old time, as they usually did in those discotheques, you know. Yeah. And I was there. And, uh, and at one point, Jimmy came on, and Noel Redding, who lived down the west, west here Corn. in Ireland, yeah. he was the bass player. Uh, Mitch M Miller, a jazz drummer. Chaz wasn't stupid. He said, we don't know what this Hendrix is doing, but we need a jazz drummer. It's some, somebody's got to be able to follow what this guy's doing. And then Jimmy walked on stage, plugged in the guitar, and the whole room went silent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I heard the sound, and when I wrote "Hurdy Gurdy Man" in India, uh, my 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 uh, producer Mickey Mouse, he said, "So what do you hear?" I said, "Well, I hear this distorted guitar, and there's one guy that we need to play it, Hendrix." But in those days, everybody was one night stands. So Mickey Mouse, my producer, phones up uh, the manager uh, of yeah Chaz and said, "Where the, where is Jimmy?" He says, one night stands, he can't come down to play on your recording. So I was going to give it to Hendrix. Wow. Mickey Mouse said, no, don't give it to Hendrix, you record it. Yeah, who played so, the lead on it uh, we, got, we got the Blue Wink guitar player to play it, Clem Clatini on drums. But anyway, when it was all put together, nobody had heard anything like it before. Well, Hardy Gurdy Man, because it, it, it didn't sit with colours and it didn't sit with Catch the Wind. It was, it's just so <laughs> full on, isn't it? Yeah. It's big, explosive sound. Yeah. Yeah, see, uh, the folk sound of Donovan. All right, okay, I come out of Glasgow, got two Irish grannies there when I'm growing up, but I'm listening to pop as well, and I'm listening to the power guitars of The Who and The Kinks. You've got this thing going in England, coming well before punk, and it's broken down, distorted. And I also loved uh, John Lee Hooker, and he was had a distorted guitar as a blues. So these things were blending in my mind, and so... Jimmy Page, though, didn't miss a beat. When he heard Hurdy Gurdy Man, he started thinking about Zeppelin. Yeah. And could you actually mix the acoustic blues, the acoustic sound, with power guitars? So I just needed that power sound. It was buzzing away there. Yeah, so... Uh, I was experimenting. I tried everything. I put it all together. Well, you know, Hurdy Gurdy is my favourite. You know, yeah, and mine too, incidentally. But you know when you talk about experimentation musically, experimentation 
of the because really that era that 60s do you yeah. ever look back at it and think that you're lucky that you got through it considering <laughs> so many didn't and everything yeah. that went on yeah um you see, the three classes were thrown together in that revolutionary time. You know, the working, the middle, and the upper class. And so the, the, the art school and jazz and blues and folk and uh, all styles of, uh, of art were all thrown together. And th- to experiment, you had to be fast because when Ricky, Rick Rubin, who made a record with me in 96, he said, how did you make records in those days? I said, okay, I'll tell you. Three hours, three songs, and an album in a week. Because everybody was one night standing. Yeah, so when you got in the yeah. studio... You were very you... meticulous about that because I know that there was too much partying going on. And at one stage, you were paying, <laughs> you were paying for studio time and people just wouldn't... wouldn't well, when you were in the studio, you, you, out, had, you? you had to get in and out because it was all on, on a, 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 a rotor three-hour sessions and then you were out and another session came in for three hours. And that was very good because the experimentation was quick and fast. How, how did you get on with Dylan? Because there was always that comparison between you and Dylan. I know you got on very well privately, I think, but there was, was there a lot of competitiveness <laughs> between the two of you? People, you know, in those days, were you a Beatles fan or a Stones fan? Were you a Donovan fan or, or a, a Dylan, Dylan fan? fan? But we both came out of the folk clubs and the blues clubs but there was in there was in Dylan uh, an interest in me but maybe a bit of a shock that this guy kid came along four years younger than him and jumped into the charts before him I was in the pop charts before him <laughs> but he was an album uh, an album artist really from that desi- that style yeah uh, but they put us they sort of put us together as there was some kind of riff going on there wasn't John Byers introduced me to Bobby. Yeah. John Byers introduced me to Pete Seeger. Pete Seeger put me on the Newport Folk Festival and said, there's a new kid in black. Here he is, Donovan. And the rest so, is history. Uh, Dylan didn't really, he made fun of it, you know, uh, to the press, but he didn't mean to put me down. But in that film, Don't Look Back, I play him a song called To Sing For You. And then he said, did you write that? I said, yeah. And the people miss this, and then I turned to him and said, play uh, Baby Blue. He said, you want that? I said, yeah. And so two folk singers got together, but the press slammed us together <laughs> and made a big problem out of it. That's there what was, the tabloids do. There was no yeah. problem. You know, really. you talked about, will you, you know, sing for me. Will you sing for us? <laughs> I know I you can. brought it. I know you brought a guitar. Would you like assume? it? Okay. Well, you know what I'm doing. Um, I'm a Corconian now. You know, <laughs> honorary Corconian. Oh yes, and I'm, I, I'm I'm part of. I've been part of the scenery here for a long while. To you and Linda. And well so done. I wanted to thank people as well as the mayor and the organization that made Linda and I Corconians. I said, look, let's get a little couple of gigs together. So I'm playing Ballycotton sold out at the weekend. Forget about it, sold out. And then uh, May 29, luckily May 29 came free for the Everyman, which I love. And so I'm thanking the people of Cork. I don't know what else I'm going to do out in the world there, back to life. But this is the kind of thing I'm going to do. You want to hear something? Oh, I can't wait, man. First song, of course. In the chilly hours and minutes of uncertainty, I wanna be in the warm hold of your loving mind. For to feel you all around me, 
turn to take your hand along the sand. Ah, but I may as well try and catch the wind. When sundown pierces the sky, I wanna hide a while behind your smile, and everywhere I'd look. Your eyes are fine. For me to love you now would be the sweetest thing. Twould make me sing. Ah, but I may as well try and catch. Ah, but I may as well try and catch the wind. It's just amazing there to sit go. here and watch. I saw you do that, not in person, but I saw you do that with Crystal Gale and it was something else. <laughs> Well, other things will happen in the show. Uh, it'll be me solo uh, th- there in the Everyman, the most beautiful theatre I think I've ever been in. I it just is love it. Gorgeous. And this has to be sung. She's on fire, guys. The Buffy Saint Marie classic song, Universal, Universal Soldier. Soldier. He's five foot two and he's six feet four. He fights with missiles and with spears. He's all of 31 and he's only 17. He's been a soldier for a thousand years. The universal soldier, and he really is to blame. His orders come from far away, no more. They come from here and there, and you and me, and brothers, sisters, can't you see? This is not the way we put the end to war. No one like you. What motivated you? Was it the music? Was it the money? Was it the fame? Was it the stardom? What was it? That that interested me? Yeah. What motivated you? Because you still love what you do. What was it that carried you through? You've got to remember, I'm from Glasgow with a Scots and Irish background. I grew up in the the, the late 40s and the early 50s listening to every Irish and Scottish song of rebellion and revolution and poetry and music. My father read me great poetry. I come from that Gaelic background, so I listened to it all. My father said to me, and this is why the folk music invaded the popular culture, we needed to come in a, a revolutionary social change. And, and pop music and so he said to me remember son wherever you go you're of the working class but try to help the working man as much as you can you know this was the background I came from so when I entered pop music it was intentional it was a mission and Gypsy Dave and I he put me in front of a microphone as soon as possible um, and I, in front of a TV camera when the TV show ready, came steady, up go, wasn't it? yeah ready yeah. steady go when the TV show came up this was interesting I didn't have a record. I didn't make a record. I went straight to Tin Pan Alley, which is where the music business is 
songwriting. So there in Tin Pan Alley in London, I was signed by Southern Music. It just happened that Southern Music in the 1920s invented folk, the, the, the return of folk roots music all those years ago. So when I hit the, the, the camera uh, in the Ready Steady Go studio, the camera crew said, this kid has yeah. got no record, he's not miming, yeah. he's live. Yeah, I remember and millions that, overnight. Yeah. overnight. So it was a mission, it was intentional. The whole, But how could I ever possibly imagine that it would turn into extraordinary and, and super did, and, and I was just, because I was reading some of the backstories again during the week. That was of an era when, when you and, and, and the Beatles and the Stones, you were paying 96% tax. And there's a quote <laughs> where, where you said, uh, you said, there were millions going around and we never knew where any of it was. No. I mean, it was, must have been. Uh, no. Uh, it, you know, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, the, the, the mission was celebrity and to make the money and somebody else was paying the bills but it w- the, the, the secret is the songwriting. Thank you, you're answering my so it wasn't the money, that, that never well, mo- yeah. but because uh, you had to actually be in, in the communication explosion of the 60s is famous, from radio to television, you know it, so it's very important to be, and I wanted to sing to my generation yeah, yeah. and uh, my father said you have to if you've got anything you've got to help. Are we missing that now? I know you said something that Greta Thunberg deserves him somebody like you now because you're very climate aware aren't you well what about Ed Ed, Ed Sheeran he's, he's, Ed he's standing yeah. on his own with a guitar yeah yeah now the appeal to the one of the one vocal in the okay he's got the boxes and he pushes them the and tricks, gets, yeah. gets the the loops going but the main thing is the one vocal the one instrument and the one song is traditionally the most powerful piece of business on the planet. You can't beat it. With a band, yeah, but you'll hear in the bass, you hear in the drums, you hear in the guitar, yeah. you hear in, but with one voice, that is power. And your, your influence was incredible. I mean, did you, because I know of, we all know of your music, your albums and your hits, right? We know of your, your friendships with rock and roll stars all over the world for many generations. But the but your involvement with the Beatles, not not wanting to take from you. Did you write on on Peppers? Did you write on the White Album? Were, were you? Because there's, well, there's confusion. You know, they're, they're great... Irish in Liverpool, and um, when he when they heard what I was doing on my first album, and I was listening to what they were doing, we had to meet because there was more than pop music for them. After a while, that background of the Gaelic and the Celtic... Yeah, and Liverpool was, and, and... And Ireland, was coming out. Yeah, and also, uh, that we ha- I, I had to meet because I was fascinated to how to actually put these ideas into a popular frame. And but at the same time, I was singing about meditation and George Harrison picked up on that. They were that singing... That was guitar, Gently Weaves. You, you were involved in that, though. But the actual thing going to India and share... They, they didn't have a band in India. They just brought three acoustic guitars yeah. I had my acoustic guitar and for the first time for a long time they were kind of back like students and we were meditating sitting cross-legged and eating vegetarian food the monkeys jumping on the table stealing the apples and the bananas <laughs> and after a day's meditation we get the acoustic guitars out and you, now, taught, you taught him finger-picking uh, guitar, I think, did you? And I, as I was picking all the time, John Lennon said one day, how do you do that? <laughs> I said, what? He said, that thing you're doing with the fingers. <laughs> I said, okay, it's called the, it's called the claw hammer. Do you want... 
to learn. He said, I'd like to learn. How do you do it? I said, it's going to take three days, maybe longer. He said, I've got time, Don. So we sat down. But also there were these structures that I was doing. But this is the finger style. But when it's moving fast, you don't know what's happening. But there was a construction of chords that went down. And this opens up brand new songwriting. And I taught John some of these things. Now, McCartney was a left-handed and he couldn't really sit down. Anyway, he's bossy boots, Paul, so he doesn't really <laughs> want... The, yeah, I don't need doc- to... No, I don't need it. John say, come on, Paul, you've got to learn this. It's really good. <laughs> and he and he's, oh, I'll be okay. And he's walking around, Paul McCartney, with a, with a left-handed guitar, but he's not... not sitting down but he's listening yeah and he he's taking it up. all in so songs came out of this this wonderful get together that ended up on the white album and um i think some of the best ones uh dear prudence and julia john sat down one day and he said you're the guy who writes the best children's songs can you help me with this song you wrote a few and lines I said, for yellow submarine didn't oh you? john's nasal you're the guy with the <laughs> The other guy with the great children's song said, I've got this song. I want to write about my mother, who I never knew. Yeah. You know, he never knew. And yeah. her name was Julia. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I want to imagine I'm on a beach. My mom's holding my hand. And it never happened. But I have to imagine it did. I, and he started writing Julia. And I thought that was wonderful. Now, George in the background, Paul and... Paul and John never really sat George down and showed him any tricks how to write songs. But when George went solo after the Beatles broke up, George sold more records than those. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you look at at your back catalogue, the amount of number ones, the amount of albums, the amount of top tens, not just in the UK and America, but all over the world. And and still today, I mean, you know, you could go on a stage and never pick up a guitar because the stories you tell are just fascinating. (laughs) Just remember where I come from. I'm a ga- I'm a Gaelic traditional uh, minstrel. I carry with me the traditional poetry, music, and theatre. Allow me to continue. I'd love if you could get another song before we finish. Though, you you can t- have so. Yeah. And I'm gonna. And I do have one or two tickets to give away for the gigs. Incidentally, can you do that? Give yeah. those tickets away and plug yeah. the show. We've got to stuff the little everyman because we're supporting the everyman too. Yeah. What are we? What are we going to go out on, Donovan? Yellow is the colour of my true love's hair in the morning When we rise in the morning When we rise That's the time That's the time I love the best The color of the sky in the morning when we rise, and red is the color of Cork County. <laughs> I'll see you all there at the Everyman. I hope are I'd like to come and visit you in the station. Here. Are you? And it's lovely. Are you enjoying North Cork? Are you enjoying life there in beautiful home? Is it nice? Oh, it's beautiful. Yes, uh, people. When we moved, when we moved to Ireland properly, uh, in 
near Dublin, of course, uh, in, uh, 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 in, uh, 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 just outside on the Curra. Uh, we went on the show and Gabo was there and Gabo says, now you're in Ireland. Don't you be going down the West and leave us all alone here in Dublin. <laughs> and of course we did. And uh, we, <laughs> we came down to Cork. Uh, but yeah, the, 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 the whole idea, it was... Gypsy Dave and I was get in front of the microphone, introduced to popular culture, some yeah. ideas that will actually give millions of young people something to actually try their hardest to believe and to change a world that seemed bent on destroying uh, itself. You know, I wish, I'm, I I'm wish hoping all my songs, my songs are continuing uh, to, to influence young singers to actually do the same. And long may it continue. Listen, it's great for you to come in. Thank you so Thank much, you. Donovan. And it's Thank great you. to hear you play and chat. What a great storyteller. Now, now, we have some tickets to give away for both gigs. The gig at the Sea Church in Ballycotton this Sunday is sold out, uh, but we have tickets for it. Now, tickets are available for the Everyman Show on the 29th. They're selling fast, and you can get them at everymancork.com. Donovan um, in studio, and it was great to see him. So get dialing on that uh, for tickets for both Sea Church and the Everyman. And our lines are open for that one on 0818104106. If that wasn't enough to confuse you, Free Food Friday winners for this week, Guys and Dolls Hair Boutique on the South Main Street and also I have a couple of double passes to give away for Ed Sheeran's gig tonight at Parky Queef. So get dining for all of those. I'm not here for the next couple of weeks. Mick Mulcahy is sitting in, so I'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. All the best. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.